Good yontev, good yontev, l'chaim, l'chaim, l'shon teva b'limud achsidus, b'dalke achsidus, tikosevu, b'sichosemu. That is the traditional um, bracha as the Rebbe begins. Hayyim yim. It's 223 years now since Tovko Fruntes, the year 1798, when the Alter Rebbe was imprisoned, and then 53 days later was freed and liberated on Yutes Kislev. So the first thing I remember once in Fabrengen, the Rebbe beginning at Yutes Kislev Fabrengen, he started with and just even the mere fact, if you think about Jewish life for the last three, two or 223 years, that alone is a miracle that we're even sitting here. How many different Nusianis uh, besides the Al-Tareb's prison, imprisonment and then liberation, but then everything that came after that, and then the Mitla Rebbe, and the Tzedek, and Rebbe Marash, and the Rebbe Rashab and the Fidika Rebbe. Just go through each one of them is a whole story of near, uh, literally near Sarkonis Nefoshis, and that we could be sitting here in freedom in the year 2021, Tavshim Pei Beis, and talk about it. Is itself a, a miracle. Baruch Shosh Nisim. I remember once hearing from uh, Professor Baranover. He says, when we were in uh, Riga and in Moscow, they would fabring Yutes Kislev. And we're talking not so long ago, uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And he said, we had to, um, we were in a basement hiding, and we had to alternate. People should stand by the window in case there's a Mossad or someone, an informer coming. And we fabring, he said, with a little table. It wasn't even a table, it was like a bunch of boxes with barely any food, and l'chaim, with all the danger. And he said, but we felt that we held up the world because we knew the rest of the world was free. And we were the last uh, so-called bastion of holding up the world on a chesidosh of Yutes Kislev. So we stand here and we are in uh, this freedom. As the Rebbe says, in many ways, this is a deeper gollus than their gollus that was back then because today it's called Evdim Be'eretz Ashur, you know, when you're comfortable, the enemy is not outside. It's not Nazis or communists or the czar or the pogroms or the, the, the czar's uh, soldiers that arrested the Alter Rebbe. Today, the enemy is inside because we have no Meniz V'yikuv in Baruch Hashem. Nobody's watching and informing on us. So it's harder sometimes to appreciate it when things are easy. So we have to remember that Yutas Kislev still has Mesir Snefesh today. It's a different type of Mesir Snefesh. It's being able to commit ourselves to understanding why we should give our lives for Chassidus. Thank God today it doesn't mean physical life. It means Mesir Sarotzen. So if I'm bringing like this, really has to come away with not just talking about the whole Parsha and what it means, but also practically. The Rebbe would say, if we don't come away with Achlotis Tevis, real resolutions, how we can change the world with chassidus, then in many ways we're not really living up to what the legacy that was given to us. So that's the, the real goal. 
You know, there's uh, the Rebbe brings, the Friedrich Rebbe brings the Behagdomet to Kuntur Samayan. Um, there's a, uh, talks about the Parsha when the, when the Rebbe Rashab in Tofri Samach announced that Yitas Kislev is Zehayim Tchilis Masecha, Rosh Hashanah of Chesidis. Now that was a very dramatic statement to say. You know, to say something is a Rosh Hashanah, Zehayim Tchilis Masecha. So when the Rebbe Rashab wrote the famous letter then, and it went around, so he sent the Friedrich of his son, to go check out what the reaction is by, by the different Kehillas. So he came back and said, there's a lot of uh, controversy, you know, to the point that uh, in, the, in the Litvisha world, they were saying, someone presented, went over to, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, uh, uh, Chaim Ezer, yeah. And Chaim Ezer was the leader of the Litvisha world then, so there was a rov went over to him and said, "No, that was too sabachsidim. They give him suanai rosh hashanah. They come to another yomtiv. Now this dalud rosh hashanim him, as that's what the Mishnah says. And now they've added a fifth one. Yutas kislev. You know, he was making like litzonah, so to speak. So Chaim Ezer said, "No, b'zei kumtzum ba'unzvad veiniker. That's what he said. That day by them, by the chsidim, it increases, and by us, it's getting weaker." So I saw a title from the Rebbe in 1967. Someone wrote to the Rebbe from Boston. Rabbi Krinsky was a Rabbi, Rabbi Yudel's brother, lived in Boston. <coughs> and they wrote to the Rebbe, Absurda Teva, that in the summer months, Rabbi Yasha Ber Soloveitchik, the Rebbe, would teach, in the summer he would teach uh, Shabbos in his bungalow colony, he would teach... Uh, few hours, three hours of shir and nigla. But in the month of El, the last half hour he would teach Lukuta Teda, Pasha De'e, the month, the Maimorim of El, Rabbi Yoshebet. So the Rebbe, in Xaviad, in his writing, his handwriting, he writes that that you should give over to, to Rabbi Yoshebet, Shalkemuvan Lebishmi, not my name, that um, the Eira Teda of the Tzamech Tzedek has a goss on Lukuta Teda, and uh, just to give him more, more background, Tzedek would ground everything in sources and Nigla and in other places. And then Bayes, the Rebbe writes, says, So the Rebbe writes, He writes exactly what page, I think page 23, Tur Bayes, because that's where it is, the second column. That's what the Rebbe writes. So when we saw, and I saw it for the first time, I was wondering what's the Kana Hepech. He could teach two ways. That here, I mean, but Pashtish could teach that then he's going to But now that Rabbi Yosheber is learning the Kutateira, Kumtsu Bazei. Or you could say, Kana Hepech, the Bazei Kumtsu, and what's Tutsuk Ba'uns and learning the Kutateira. I'm not going to say Maskana, but that's what the Rebbe wrote. So it's interesting, you know. The fact of the matter is, we all know the Teda Sabal Shemtev, Tzomalachon Nafshi, Kamalachop Sodi, Kain Bakedesh Chazisicho, that the Kain should be read Halavai Bakedesh Chazisicho. Halavai, that when we're in Kedesh, in a holy place, and there's no Tzimoyen, there's no Eretz Siyav Oyev, Halavai, we should have the same passion and the same thirst as when we have it when we are in a desolate land. Because 
when things are comfortable, as I said before, what we call in English uh, apathy settles in, indifference, complacency. For those that want the Yiddish, it's gleich guilty. I know all the words of uh, apathy. I mastered the art. Um, so there's gleich giltekeit is the word in Yiddish. And in Hebrew, it's adishut. What does it mean? It means there's always tomorrow. There's no rush. There's no sense of urgency. When there's the urgency? When, there's, when, there's, when you're desperate. When you're running for your life. So when things, the bracha of comfort also has another side to it, which is the ability to, so the, the Baal Shem Tov understood that, and Baal Shem Tov understood that and said, halavai bekedesh chazisicho, halavai, that when things are beautiful, we should have the same passion like we have when we feel thirsty and parched land and an arid desert and desolate land. I remember once being by Fabrengen. It was a Yutas Kisa Fabrengen many years ago. And it was with, um, <clears throat> it was not with uh, necessarily, let's call it uh, cultural chassidim. I use the word cultural, but I'm not going to explain it right now. Just uh, This was a different culture. And one of them asked the question, what did the Rebbe come to contribute? What did the Rebbe contribute? Now for every chassidim, it's like a, a question is completely ludicrous. I mean, it contributes everything, right? But you know, sometimes when you're challenged by someone that doesn't grow up with and, and takes for granted everything you know, you have to come up with a real answer. So it'd be interesting to hear if we went around the table, I'm not going to do that now, and ask everybody, tell me in simple English, what did that ever contribute? And not just to you, to Yiddishkeit. So I said, you know, there's many things that I've, of course, contributed, both in Teda and Aveda, in Mils Chasadim. You know, many people say, Rebbe, social activism, a revolution of Shluchim and Chabaras is all over the world. No one ever did that. So I said, I just felt it was the right thing to say. I said, the Rebbe declared war on apathy. He declared war on, this, on the comforts of our lives. You know, I always wondered why the Rebbe never went. You know, all the Rebbe in what was called a dacha, they went on dacha. Dacha was vacation. Now, Kimuvin, the Rebbe didn't go on vacation. They went to be Mavad and Sutsas, but they did travel. And the Rebbe insisted, never, never. When the Rebbe's mother asked him, why don't you go, oh, take a week, a day, or whatever, the Rebbe said, I still can't repay the time when I drove up to, when we drove up to camp in 1960, Tav and then, half humorously, the Rebbe said, that twice a month, the Rebbe goes to the oil, called the Feld. It's green grass. So it's somewhat of a, called vacation. I wouldn't call it vacation exactly. But, <coughs> but why? Why was the Rebbe so insistent, 24-7, always on call? There was no such thing as one second of relaxing. I'd like to challenge anyone to find any letter or tzetl or sicha or yechidus where the Rebbe gives anyone the room that you could rest for a day, right away. Finish the project, next project. So it could be because the clip of our time is apathy. It's called leisure. We have a lot of free time. And the Rebbe wanted to go to war against it. Every generation has its klippa. So the Rebbe did not leave room what the Rebbe calls 
evdim be Eretz Asher. In Eretz Mitzrayim, it's only Nedachim, the Golas. Aeneas creates, you know, we're pushed aside. But in Eretz Asher, Asher from the word Asher with an Aleph, prosperity, success, that creates a certain element of Kaltkeit. You know, there's always tomorrow. I mentioned there's a Yechidus I saw in Tovshin Chavdalad. Tovshin Chavdalad, someone wrote up a short Yechidus, <clears throat> or short excerpt of the Yechidus, I should say. And the Rebbe says the following words. As the the Jews went through all tests. The test of Aniyah's poverty, Yisurim, afflictions, the test of other tests. And then the Rebbe says, when Easter is the last Nesoyim, now is given the last test, the, the, the Nesoyim from Freiheit, freedom. The Rebbe said these words, the Rebbe said these words, Here's freedom, and let's see whether you'll want Mashiach. When you're in a concentration camp, or you're under the gun, obviously you want Mashiach, you're desperate. But when you're comfortable, you know, yeah, we want Mashiach, but it's not like we can, you can sleep another night peacefully. You know, I remember once meeting a journalist, it was in Israel, and we met in the, he wanted to see Jewish life. He was an American journalist. I said, come on Friday afternoon to, it's called an area called Geula. You know, I wanted to show him that how people are running to the mikveh and eating chalant and the whole uh, Jewish uh, Friday afternoon culture. And uh, he, was, he, he was a smart guy, and he knew Hebrew a bit. So he said to me, what did you call this community here? I said, this is called Geula. He says, if this is Geula, what does Golas look like? You know? So it was an interesting uh, take. The Rebbe went to war against the Evdim Be'eretz Ashur, that even though tonight, for example, we can all go to sleep, and tomorrow, because no, no one's pushing us to do anything, but no, it's not the way of a chassid, it's not the way of anyone that was trained by the Rebbe, that we are always on call, and we don't take anything for granted, and even though it's hard, because what's pushing us? Where's the tzomalacha when you don't, when things are going, you're pretty comfortable? So, I mean, everyone has to find that way, maybe that's why we come together in a fabrengen, to wake each other up and not let every, anyone sleep. Um, me and Shlem have forged a uh, partnership. He wakes me up, I wake him up, right? And um, and that's what we need to do. We do Isha Sechiv Yazeiro. It says in the so you make achlota together, then each person is, you know, you feel responsible to another. You make achlota yourself, it's very easy to forget. So if I bring them like this, it has to result in uh, making the Rebbe and the Rabbeim proud. Al-Tar Rebbe sat in prison for a reason. Agmas was in order that we, today, 223 years later, should do something with Chassidus that lives up to the Mesir Snefesh that the Al-Tar Rebbe and all the Rabbeim had. And um, this great gift, the Chem de Gnuza, the Kes Evan, the Evan Yoker, the most precious stone in the king's... Um, crown that the Moshe Al-Tarebbe gives that was crushed in order to save the child that is sick and comatose, that maybe a drop of water will go through the clenched lips, the clenched teeth of this child, which is us, that was Kedai, the whole pouring out all of Chassidus, which is Primi with all the Nisenas that that would bring. You know, maybe people abusing it or taking it for granted, 
all for you and I right here. No matter what matzav you're in, even if you're in a matzav ruchnis, that's like the ben chela. Echsidus is here to not just revive us, but to transform us, and through us transforming everyone around us. The fact is, the matter is that Chassidus was given to us because it has the power to address every challenge and issue in life. Al Tarebbe says in Agdomet Tanya that all the Eitzes Ba'avedis Hashem are here. And just in case you don't think he's serious, he says, and if you don't find the answer, go to the G'delem Shebi'ir and ask them. And they should not prave Shifla Shal Sheker and they should share a show. This is who we are. Whether it's the Kail Yungalite here or it's uh, others from the community or anywhere we, we may be, we were charged with a mission. You know, eight billion people on this planet, most don't even know about the shlichas, and we were given the shlichas. So, forget about what happened yesterday and last year and 20 years ago and 30 years ago. Right now, there's a job to be done. The Gu'ul Amitiz Rashlem is not here in the fullest sense of the word, so no one can say, okay, we did the job. So we have a real mission to accomplish. And from my point of view, sitting at this Kislev and not talk about it on that level would be really a miss. We would not be doing justice to what is expected of us. And we were given all these keiches, tremendous keiches. So we'll talk about that more, of course, throughout the evening. But I wanted to say l'chaim to each of you. It's unbelievable that we, ashenu matev chalkeinu, that we have the, this chus, which is not by our effort and not by your choice, what family you're born into, what community you're born into, to have this chus to um, have access to the Rebbe, through the Rebbe, to all the Rebbe, and uh, to chsidis is a chus. And we have to earn it and show that we deserve it. And that's by using it, by using it. You know, if you look at what the Rabbeim did most of the day, they were either teaching or writing chsidis. That means they felt that was the single most important thing they could do for us. They could have easily said, I'll take Yechidus all day. <laughs> Counsel people, talk to people. They had Yechidus, but that was not the majority. The majority is writing, writing, and writing, leaving us volumes and volumes. So we have this Eitzer, we have this treasure, and now it's our job is to translate it and to communicate it to ourselves, to our families, to our communities. And as the Rebbe made it very clear, <coughs> that the Chassidus is Teimer Chaim Zochu, a taste of Teirosh Hashem Mashiach. When you learn Chassidus, that, that means living and thinking and speaking Mashiach Dik. You're talking about a Lakus. That's what, that's what Chassidus is. It tells you what it means to be a godly person, what it means to create a godly world, what it means to make a Dira B'Tachtenim. That's what Chassidus is, Be'etzem. So the more you learn it, the more you live by it, the more we actually become Mashiach Dik. Which is, uh, that's why it's not just a Be'aifen's uh, Guli, it's Siba Mesubav. The more Mashiach you are, the more you create the Mashiach environment around you. So the Ibshah should help us that, uh, you know, we're, we're small people, but we're Anonis al Gabanok. We stand on the shoulders of giants before us. And yes, 223 years, it's an unbelievable schus that we can sit here and honor the Alter Rebbe. In this Yem Hagu'ula Shalei, is Yem Hasimcha Shalei, which as we know is not just a redemption from, from a prison, but a redemption from the very uh, challenge, whether he's doing the right thing in spreading chsidis. So the best way to celebrate Yutas Kislev is spreading chsidis. That's why he sat in prison for. 
And that's the direct and most direct way to do so. So may each of us put our heads together and figure out ways to do it and be zeche from this gu'ula to go straight into the gu'ula mitis v'ashlema with the Rebbe, with all the Rabbeim. L'chaim, l'chaim.
לחיים, לחיים. There's a the famous story with Alta Rebbe where he said that there was a point in his life where he came to a crossroad. Should he go to Vilna to learn more Nigla de Tera or to go to Mizrich where there they'll teach him how to daven. And essentially he said, learning he already knew how to learn. I can move in with all humility. But davening, he did not yet learn how to. So he went to Mizrich. And as they say, that had made all the difference. So people ask the question, first of all, Al-Tareb knew how to daven, Papashtas also. We're not talking about a small man here. So both davening and learning can always grow in both of them. So what did he actually learn in Mizrich? And ultimately, how did it uh, contribute to Chassidus and to us? So I remember in the Tov Shemem with the Kviyas that year, Simchas Teter was Friday. So the Rebbe would have a Fabreng on Thursday night before a Kofis, and then Friday before the before short Fabrengen, and then Shabbos afternoon, 1.30, as you always, Shabbos Bereshis. Some Chesteta went right into Shabbos Bereshis, and then another Fabrengen, Shabbos afternoon, like an hour before the Shkia, or an hour before the Seish right before the Shkia. And that would go through the night, and then the Rebbe would wash by that, and then that's when there was the benching, and Havdola, and afterwards, Keshav uh, so just as an aside, it was the most difficult kfiyas for Chayzrim and Manichim, because you had to remember four Fabrengans before you could even write down one word, because you had Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. But I remember the Fabrengan, Shabbos Bereshis, the first Fabrengan, that ended like maybe 4.30, and then there was a small break, and then the Rebbe came back down and washed the, the final Fabrengan. So the end of the Fabrengan, the Rebbe was very, it was very simchistated, the Keruach, that was very evgelicht, uh, as they say. And he told a story. It's a famous story, but then he said it as they with the whole archove. The story goes uh, with the time of the Magid that one of uh, the Magid's uh, friends, you did him, when they were young, they would learn together, came to visit Mezrich, and he came to see the Magid, his old friend, so to speak, and colleague. So he came for davening shachris, davening with the minion. The minion finished. Everyone left. The maggid was still davening. Ten minutes, twenty minutes, a half hour, an hour, and two hours. I'm not sure if we know exactly how long, but it was long. He was waiting patiently, and he was very. Uh, he was in awe. So when the maggid finally finished davening, <clears throat> he said shalom aleichem. They reunited after many years. She so says to the market, he says, in this ball, he says, you know, we learned together Kabbalah, Kavonis Atfila. And uh, so you're davening for hours and hours. I daven with the minion and we finished. Now, there's what's the secret of your Arichus Atfila here? 
So the Magid responded. Stadebe told the whole story. She said to him, what do you do for Parnosa? So he said, he goes uh, twice a year to the Yirid, to the marketplace in Leipzig. He spends time there, he buys material. Then he comes back, brings it home, and his wife and children sell it the rest of the year to the local merchants in the local towns. And that's how he makes his uh, living. So the Magus says to him, how much time do you spend when you go? He says, it's a, it's a journey. I have to travel, stay there, spend time in the market. It could be three weeks, four weeks a year. <clears throat> so the Magus says to him, I don't understand. Why don't you just stay home? You don't have to have all the tircha, tiltula gavra and everything. Close your eyes and be misbein and meditate about how you're traveling to Leipzig and how you're buying the material and how you come back and you sell it. So it says to the Magid, Magid, you're You know, you're like, uh, what, how do you say batlin in English? I'm not really sure. You're out of touch with the physical reality. He says, why? So he says, because I need the scheda. It's not just a matter of uh, being contemplating on it. The scheda, you got to go and have to take the time to get the, the get there and buy the material and so on. So the Magad said, the same thing at davening, tefillah is sula mutzavartza. It's a journey. It's not just uh, sitting and davening. It's a journey up a ladder and you're traveling miles and miles. So if you want the scheda, it takes time. You can't knock it off in a half hour, an hour. That's what the, the Magid said. And the Rebbe told us, it was at the end of the Fabreng and Azei. The Rebbe connected it, but it was a very, I remember when the Rebbe said in the Fabreng, and it was very, you could see the Rebbe was reliving it. And, um, you know, in our generation, I don't, want to, I don't like to use the word, the lost art of prayer, but uh, this, this uh, art of knowing how to travel to places like that, not that simple. Um, so indeed, by us, most of davening is usually lip service, or maybe a little pirush amilus, but definitely not on this level of a journey. So when you hear about chassidim davening hours, it's not just that they were high chassidim; they knew how to travel. They knew how to beruchnis, travel to greater places. So perhaps Nalta Rebbe said he's going to Mezrich. He wasn't just talking about davening. He wanted to learn how to travel. He wanted to learn how to get the scheda. Okay, so how does that apply to what we're, to our lives today? A few years ago, you know, the Friedrich Rebbe Sikhs are filled with mamish treasures. Every time you read it, there's more and more. It's almost like endless. So I saw a Sikh uh, second day of Pesach, Tov Shindalad. It's connected to Yutas Kislev. The big Sikh begins, Friedrich Rebbe says, that the Tzemach Tzedek was born with a Chush HaNegina and a Chush HaTziur. He had a talent, he had a musical talent and, a, and an artistic talent. But he worked hard to destroy these talents because he saw them as distracting him from appreciating Chassidus. You know, so he had the good talent, the God-given talents, but not what he was looking for in Alakus. Then the story continues, Friedrich Rebbe continues, the year was Tovkov Nun Zayin, and the first manuscripts of Tanya were beginning to be distributed. So Chassidim were learning Tanya. And then Tovkuf Nunches was published. Tovkuf Nuntes, of course, was the year of the of Yutas Kislev. 
So he says there that in Tovkov Nunches, the Chassidim came to the Alter Rebbe, and they said they don't understand Tanya. They don't understand Tanya. And this is what the Alter Rebbe responded. Uh, you can't take a half a thing. What's the second half? The Alter Rebbe said Nigina, song, melody, Nigina. When the Tzemach Sadiq heard that, he had charata that he tried to destroy his chusha Nigina. You can imagine Tzemach Sadiq, even after trying, he probably didn't really uh, get rid of Nigina. But that's, that's a derachagav. So what does this mean? I remember when I read it, I was like, Ares from the Kela. I never heard this before in my life. We learned Tanya, Mashpim. I never saw the Sikh, I never heard it. I asked, I have to tell you, once I saw it, I probably asked 50 Mashpim from one corner of the world to the other. They, they know the Sikh. I, th- I don't think one person told me they knew. And even if they did, they you know, definitely didn't take it seriously. So I said to myself, how bizarre? The Alter Rebbe didn't say, uh, you know, you need Negin to appreciate a piece of time. He said, how bizarre? So it's not a surprise when many of us have challenges of really understanding Tanya properly. If the Alter Rebbe's Chassidim didn't, and the Alter Rebbe told them they need Negin, how much more we do? And what is Negin then? Does it mean uh, saying Tanya with a sing song? You're like, you're Zingunter? Like uh, like uh, like your Marvi uh, said, obviously not. It means uh, Negina means Chusha uh, Negina means the the Hergish Shabazah. You can learn Tanya. It's a very academic study. It's deep. You know, every word you can be spend hours and hours, if not years. But Negina is that Hergish. Uh, it resonates. You know, as much as you talk, when you sing a song. It's a, it transforms you. It's a whole different experience. The, they say, the Alter Rebbe said, and when you're asked a question, you tell a story. And you ask the question, I'm sorry, you don't have an answer, you tell a story. And if that doesn't work, you sing a song. Famous story with Alter Rebbe and Shklov. We went to Shklov and he gave a whole drasha. A meridika drasha with all the gainers. And he felt as in Ishdos, the people were not really getting it. And that's when the Alter Rebbe said, the famous Nigan, that the Rebbe repeated, Purim Tav Shachai. Tamuru kiteva vaya, fazuchten zet as the evish that is good. And the Rebbe told the story, it says that the Alter Rebbe walked out of the shul in Shklov and he had hundreds of people flocking after him. The Nigan. Because a nigan is kolmas halev, it touches a part of the soul that words can't always capture. I can tell you, as someone that's involved in speaking a bit, the goal of really speaking is that your words should be heard by the listeners as if you're singing a song. Then you know you're successful. Just to give you an example how far chassidus can reach, a number of years ago I was invited, Rabbi Binyaminson of Tzivus Hashem, it was between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I remember. So the museum here, the Jewish Children's Museum, in order to, um, <clears throat> I guess, qualify for, for grants and government funding and so on, they need to have cultural exchanges. So they have to have from people from different religions and different communities. So 
a group of 30, a group of 30 Sri Lankan monks. You know what that is? Sri Lanka is a, a country right off of India. It used to once be called Ceylon or Ceylon. So they're monks, they're Buddhist monks. They're coming for a visit to the museum. So I guess, who do you choose? A weirdo like me to speak to them, right? So he's asking me, can you come and say a few words with these monks? I said, I don't speak Sri Lankan. He says, no, they know English. Okay, fine. Good, I come. There you have 30 guys in these orange robes to the floor. You know, they're all... And uh, we sat there in the... We have that viewing room there where they have, what do they call it? The studio, not studio, like where they... Where they auditorium, um, like a filming room there. And they're sitting there in the front, the rabbis are in the back. And I felt that since it's Rosh Hashanah time, you know, I have to say, I did read one or two Buddhist articles in my life. So maybe for this purpose, um, it says the Sanhedrin has to know the Avedizadeh. Um, so, so I decided, you know what the beautiful topic to speak about to them is Hisavas B'chal Rega. The idea of perpetual creation, it's Rosh Hashanah, the world is being renewed. The idea of Chassidus, the Alter Rebbe, the Chidushim of the Shayuchid V'amuna, Le'el Mashem Dvar Chidushim B'Shamayim, that the existence is constantly being renewed, like pulsating energy, like a pulse, like a heartbeat. God is constantly renewing it. You know, that's a t topic I felt they would appreciate. And I elaborated on it. And I have to tell you, as I'm speaking, these uh, monks, they're trained to be completely, completely no reaction on their face. Absolutely no reaction. They don't laugh at jokes. They don't cry at any sad stories. They don't smile. There's no reaction. It's mamish al-havdal, the opposite of a Jewish audience. The Jewish audience, you know everything that they're thinking. Like they say, ah, I heard that joke already. You know what? They're already disagreeing with you even before you start saying a sentence. That's a Jewish audience. They're, uh, they're alive, and they make it very clear that they are interacting with you. If not worse, you know, heckling or... Here, they're sitting, mamas like stones. I'm telling you. Which was very disconcerting because, you know, when you speak, you want to get a reaction. You want to know, am I getting through? Am I not getting through? Maybe they don't understand the words that I'm saying, or maybe, they, you know. Anyway, no reaction. And I tried. I tried different things. I tried some of my best jokes. Godness. The rabbis in the back were laughing. One of them said, I heard that joke already. I could tell that, you know. Um, anyway, this was not my ego at work, but I did feel I need, a, I need, some, I need to see some uh, response. Right? So what do you do? So I dug into my bag of tricks. And I said, you know what? I'm going to sing a nigan. So I asked him permission. Since Yom Kippur is coming, I said, I'm going to sing a song for you you probably never heard. Probably no one ever in Sri Lanka ever heard. So I felt it was like a, I'm pioneering a new path, bringing a chassidish nigan to Sri Lankan monks. And I started singing Yala. I sang the whole song through, and here, I must tell you, their faces melted. 
they did react. So afterwards, it was interesting what happened after. Afterwards, they wanted to sing a song as well. So I let the, the Anhol of Hashem figure out what to do with that, you know. Um, I, I like, I did my job, I'm out of here, you know. Uh, so I asked the monks afterwards, the Sri monk, I said, tell me, did you, uh, you know, what was your reaction to what I said? They said, we love what you said, it was excellent. I said, but you didn't react at all. They said, that's how we're trained. We're trained when you, when the master speaks, you remain silent, no movement at all. You have to be, like it was, what Tuxedis says you're supposed to do when you're a macabre. They actually live up to it, you know. Um, I said, what happened by the song? They said, we couldn't control ourselves. So I saw the Alta Rebbe's word come alive. Mazinkta Nigan, you do something. This is not the Tamid Chacham of Shklov, very different audience, but a Nigan is a Nigan. So when the Alta Rebbe said that half of the story, Tanya, the Andahalb is Nigina, you begin to understand Nigina. As we know, it says in the Sikhs that a person has a chush chsidis is going to have a chush negina. Chush. Not always a kishin. There's some people have a chush negina, they can't sing. I know people who sing off tune, but they have a chush. Because negina is not just a song. Negina is, like the Alter Rebbe says, the language of the soul. In the Maimon, famous Maimon in Tereir, Al-Tarebbe says an unbelievable word. He says, what's nichnosim v'yetzim? So the pshat in the Mishnah is one thing, a completely different pshat. How does a neshama travel? We know a body travels. We have legs, Baruch Hashem. You need to travel faster or longer distances. We have vehicles, unicycles, bicycles, tricycles, and so on. We have motorcycles, we have cars, we have buses, we have trains, helicopters, planes. I'm not going to go through everything. Rocket ships. But how does a soul travel? An Ashama doesn't travel with physical vehicle. Says the Al-Tarebbe, with a nigan. An Ashama cannot move one drop without a nigan. And that's why it says the Tesvav Shir HaMailas in Tehillim. What's Shir HaMailas? What's Mailas? The song of the steps. The 15 steps, you couldn't, can't go up a step in Beis Amigdash without a nigan. Because real aliyah is not just walking, it's an aliyah baruchnius. That means song lifts you up to a place, transports you to another place. So there are people who have billions of miles of, of frequent flyer miles, but their soul hasn't moved an inch. And there are people who could be sitting under a talus six hours and not budge a physical inch, but they could be moving millions of miles, Beruchnis. What the Alter Rebbe was saying is that when you learn Tanya, Chassidus in general, it's supposed to be a journey of your soul. Your Nisham is supposed to be Havzoza. You're here now, and now you've moved. If you just learn it with Seichel, your, your mind may move, but your heart is not necessarily going to move. Now, of course, I know the big question is then, how do you learn Tanya like that? But at least we know there's an expectation of that. And Adal Tareb himself, he could not, so to speak, the the Chachmei Shklov, how did he capture them with the Nigan at the end of the day? Now, obviously, it means learning and the Nigan, doesn't just mean the Nigan. But it's, uh, so really, the mastering the art of davening, one of the names for tefillah is Shira. Nigina, 
Tefillah has many names. That's why Tefillah is connected to song. Tehillim is Ne'im Zmiris Yisrael. A lot of Tefillah is about, is the song of Tehillim. So maybe that makes it a little easier if we can master the art of the song and then apply that to davening. Then you can do the journey that the Maggid said, that to get the Shechiri, you need to travel and you need to have that uh, Negina. So really, in simple, let's call it 21st century lingo, it means it's not enough to have intelli intelligent, intellectual intelligence. We need to have emotional intelligence. They call it emotional IQ. You know, again, we're not going to do a survey here, but there's a lot of people very smart, play, play good mind games. Their brains are very powerful, high IQs. But emotional intelligence, sometimes like a two-year-old. Chassidus teaches us not just to be smart people, but to take the midas and mature midas. Mature midas includes the basis of all Avis Yisrael, being able to be saved another person. So Chassidus says, that's das. Molot is deis Hashem. What's the connection to lo yerei v'leyashchisu? What does day have to do with no destruction? Like Yeshaya says, because deya means you're makabal and able to be saved two different opinions. You know how to have a conversation even with someone you disagree with respect. The basis of Avis Yisrael is mechen the godless, not like two children that are fighting over petty little things. And Chassidus came to refine us as people. And the Evan Abeichen is, yes, can you sit and be not just in, at peace with another, but really harmony. Avis Chassidim, talk so much about Avis Chassidim. So then people ask the question, I mean, you know, I'll bring it up, even though a lot of people don't like these type of questions because it's taboo. Why do you then see so many chassidim fighting? Okay, so the classic answer is that wherever we're strong and that's where we are always weakened, you know, that type of thing. That's our nesoyim. But the whole point of chassidim is periklamet beis of Tanya was agboras atzura lachem and afshe iker gufe tofel. That's the evan abeichen. The evan abeichen is can you reach a level that the moichen affects your midas. We all know you can be a smart person, but it also affects how you behave in Adam l'chavede. And that's part of what chassidus is all about. So when you learn Tanya, and we're probably now in Yutas Kislev about Rosh Hashanah of chassidus, it comes down to this, and Evan Abeichen, Evan Abeichen is how we behave in our behavior with each other. In the area where yesterday we may have had a chalukideus, or even worse than that, you know, you let chassidus affect you, that, oh, you know what? It could be mavra al-midesov, you could um, look at the bigger picture and allow uh, the to unite us, even though we may be diverse. I mean, that's just one example. The end of Perikid Beis, the Alter Rebbe brings the story of Yesef, this week's Parshish, Parshish, that Yesuf was myvel on the days of that even though his brothers, what they did to him, he would have been justified to be upset. And yet, no, the Abishta sent me, and he brings from Zoyha there how kind of reward and schar he received for that ability to overlook his own personal pain and agmas nefesh for the good of the entire people. So the Dugmois go on and on. So, so the second half of Perikid Beis is all about Ben Odin Lechavede. First half is Ben Odin Lamokim. So when you learn Tanya in that way, Adaita the Nafsha, like you're singing a song, 
it changes the whole thing. And song touches you. Without the song, you can learn it. Maybe it'll touch you, maybe it won't. So with Al-Tareb, that was Negeya. So maybe going forward, we will institute it in our yeshivas and our, we will learn that sikha from Pesach Tov Shindalad. It's not my words, it's the Friedrich Rebbe, that Ahal B'Maisa, Ahal B'Zach, there's Tanya, there's the Negina. And Negina means, Hergish means, as I said, how we behave in our Zichu Chambir Ramidis. L'chaim, l'chaim.
לחיים, לחיים. I'd like to share with you a story that um, a personal story happened with me a number of years ago. which um, was one of my, most pr my proudest moments of appreciating a chassidus, appreciating what the Rabbeim, the Alter Rebbe, and all the Rabbeim were Mesa Nefesh for. As I said earlier, many times we take for granted certain things. You know, we grew up in this culture, in this environment, but then there are moments, maybe more than moments. So this was in Huntington, New York. It's in Long Island. So Toro uh, College has a law school there, Toro Law School. And in the auditorium there, they had a pretty large event a good 500 people, probably. And like a, like a lot of things, you plan one way, then it doesn't always work out as you planned it. So I was invited to come speak about Mashiach. But whatever, I'm getting into all the details, there was some mess up. And suddenly I find out I'm on a panel with two others. Now, it doesn't personally bother me to be on a panel. But here, I know panels, I have my experience that you can be very confusing, especially when you're talking about a controversial or sensitive topic. And who was on the panel with me? Without names, but their titles were, one was an Orthodox rabbi and one was a conservative rabbi. And you'll see from the story why I don't call myself a rabbi and definitely not an Orthodox rabbi. No, I didn't leave, I went. Um, I mean, I suggested, which really made it work out well. See, my concern was when you're in a, when you're in a panel, and what do you do? If the other panelist says something you disagree with, you know, it can come across like you start bickering with them. It's not, it's not comfortable. And the audience gets confused. On the other hand, if you don't disagree when you do, people get the impression you agree. That's one of the problems in these scenarios. Especially about Mashiach, you can imagine. So I suggested to the host, I said, you know what? Just keep it more masudim, organized. Why don't we prepare 10 questions beforehand, show it to all the panelists. That way, that will be, everyone will respond. It won't just be a free-for-all. There'll be some structure to it. It actually turned out very well because the questions, we all approved them, they were solved. You know, like for example, why is Mashiach a fundamental principle in Jewish faith? It didn't say, is it a principle of Jewish faith? Because then you can start getting into debates. It was a fact. Why? And all, and all, it was a very respectable and well done. It was no, nothing was said that I would say was so fundamentally uh, problematic. 
worked out all that. But here's where the main thing happened next. At the end, they opened up for the audience for questions. So I remember more than back of the auditorium, all the way to the left, a young woman wrote, stood up, and she asked the following question. She says, the question is to all three of you. I speak, she said, on behalf of the largest segment of the Jewish population today. It's called the unaffiliated Jew. That's not affiliated with any particular denomination. You know, I know we know we're Jewish, but we don't necessarily go to synagogue. Don't identify maybe with anti-Semitism or Israel. So my question is like this. Millions of us who question the very principles that you all talked about, you say fundamental to Jewish faith, what will happen to all of us secular Jews, who some of us are skeptics, some of us are doubters, some of us are agnostics, some are atheists? What will happen to us if Mashiach you're talking about comes tonight? What will happen to us tomorrow morning? Now, I remember thinking, oh, you know, I've been around, I heard a lot of questions in my life. And, you, know, I've been, you know, you hear almost every question after a while you start, I mean, and this one I never heard before. And I was, thank God, I was third in the row to speak. So I was last. And I was saying, let's see what's going to happen. This is going to be very interesting now. I've told this story a number of times, and I always ask people, I say, what would you answer? What would be your answer? Remember, talking about the assimilated Jews. Taneka Shanishbu, call them whatever you like. What will happen? Mashiach comes tonight. Now we know. Listen what happened here. The Orthodox rabbi came first. And he said the following four words. He said, God will have mercy. That's what he said. Now, I don't know if you ever heard 500 people boo somebody. But it's very, very um, interesting. Boo, when a lot of people boo together, it resonates like music. You know, boo, I guess. And this is not 10 people, 500 people. So the whole place, they booed him. Obviously, first of all, he didn't answer the question. Second of all, he was kind of, uh, God will have mercy. In other words, and, and he didn't say it as much, but everyone understood what he meant, that uh, maybe God will kill you painlessly instead of painfully. I don't know, whatever. Um, again, he didn't say it, but was, that was the impression. And he was, uh, of course, very embarrassed. Okay, it's not over. The next is the conservative rabbi. And we were sitting on a podium, and the lights were shining, I remember. And he turns to me. He says, Rabbi Jacobson, I have exactly that same question myself as well. What will happen to them? That's what he said. Okay. But then he added fuel to the fire, and he said, and his voice was dripping with cynicism. So it was really, and you're talking about a, a large crowd of people, you know, it's like you can't undo what you say. And he said the following. I don't want to mention the name. He said, there was a, a tzaddik from the previous generation that said, as I said, cynically he's saying, that said that the Holocaust happened because Jews were sinners. They sinned. Now, it didn't stop there. 
he started going into graphic detail how every atrocity perpetrated by the Nazis on the Jews was midekeneged, tit for tat for the Jews not doing this and not doing that. Book about the children, about Tarsh Mishpoche, about Shetels, I mean, you, you name it. How all this was the Nazi, the Nazis' persecution and torture of the Jews was a result of their basically uh, being balavedas. You could imagine the place. I mean, I, I've been around. There've been many talks. It was. It was. Everyone was mortified. It was like everyone. You could feel the tension in the air. And he says, "So is that going to happen if Mashiach comes tonight? Another Holocaust like that? For all the Jews that are not." Observant. This is all directing it to me, you know. So I was really in such a position, to be honest, like literally on the spot. Two rabbis who did not answer the question, they made it a lot worse, frankly, which that alone was embarrassing. You know, you're supposed to be a rabbi, you can't even answer a question like that. And I really, I honestly, did not have a clue what I'm going to say, even though I had a little time to prepare. So, you know, in times like this, what you do is, at least what I do, you close your eyes, you pray to Hashem that He should put the right words in you, you think about what the Rebbe would say, what the Baal Shem Tov would say, what the Avitzu Baditchever would say, what Moshe Rabbeinu Ev Yisrael would say. And I opened my mouth and I said, and I also knew the stakes were high because if I give an answer like they did, or no answer, 500 Jews are going to go away forever, perhaps, never giving this question another chance not just that woman that asked it the place was silent like I mean as I told you I never had so much attention <laughs> um, so I said the following and you know these times you I know you invoke school service I said the Alter Rebbe the founder of Chabad Chassidus of Shnei Zalm of Liadi once said that when you're asked a question what I said before and you don't have an answer you tell a story and if that doesn't work, you sing a song. So I'm going to tell a story. And if that doesn't work, I'll have to sing. So I got a good laugh from the audience. It would have been nice to have said good night and everybody leaves. But obviously, I couldn't get off the hook that easily. So I told a story, a famous story with the Rebbe Rashab. And here again, Rebbe Rabshom Debe, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, Tafresh Memches, Simchus he said, and he spoke about the mile of Anoshim Shutim, of simple Jews. And he spoke in the Hafli, the mile of a simple Jew, who doesn't have scholarship, and doesn't have necessary piety, and mitzvahs, and so on. But it's a ish The famous story following Simchas that the Chosid Rav Moshe Menzeson went into the Rebbe Rashab and said to him, Rebbe, you always encourage ask, asking questions. We understand the mile of Ish Poshet, but the way the Rebbe spoke about Ish Poshet, it's like almost completely being mavatl, famid chachomim, bali aveda, etc., etc. So the Rebbe Rashab said to him, you deal in stones, right? You're in business, so you do as he was a diamond merchant. So please bring me several stones and put them on the table. Different uh, value, different values. Okay, the Rebbe said, he didn't know why, oh, fine. He brought several brought diamonds. 
And the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab said, I'm going to choose the most expensive one. And he chose the most lustrous stone, the one that was largest and shining most. No, so he didn't want to contradict the Rebbe, so he didn't avoid it answering. The Rebbe says, is it the most? He says, no. But it looks so beautiful. He says, Rebbe, with all due respect, you have to have a trained eye. I don't know if he said the four C's, carrot, color, cut, etc. But he definitely said, you need to have a... So the Rebbe Rashab said to him, if that's the case with an inanimate daimim, a stone, how much more so with neshamis? You have to have a trained eye. What do you know what you see? What kind of expert are you on the Shamas? That's what he said. So I told this story. So I said, here we are, 500 souls in this room. There are millions of others all over the world. What do we know about souls? We don't know anything about a soul. Can anyone say who's the greatest soul in this room right now? Miyadeya, I quoted from Tanya. Miyadeya, Gudulashna, my lesson. Who knows who's a great soul? It's not based on any physical, external expression. Like, for example, why did one Ashama the Abish to choose and put into a beautiful family that gave that child all the opportunities, a great chinuch and teda, privilege, financially comfortable, healthy family? And another Ashama the Abish to put into Rahman al a dysfunctional family, a broken family. They, they didn't give the child any Jewish education. Who decided that? The Shamas didn't decide which way to go. The Abish to decide this Nishami here, this Nishami here. Not our not our schus. It's it's God's gift. And then I concluded and I said, and the same Al Rebbe said another thing once. In the fight Maimon Tovkov Samak Bez, Moshe Hayanov Kala Odamasha Pneadama. Why was Moshe Moshe so humble for all people? So the Alta Rebbe says. He was shown all the generations, all the souls till the end of time. And who was he humble for? The Neshamas of Ikvis and the Meshicha, the last generation. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe's generation, they were enlightened generation. They, had all the, they were given all the gifts. And they also were far from perfect. But here's a generation, it's a senulay, inu, no miracles generation that would go through the, all the Nisanus of Gaulus, and still a Jew is trying, I mean, the Altar doesn't say, but I just wanted to make the point, trying to go to Shul Yom Kippur, exploring even, or asking what means, to, what does it mean to be Jewish? When Moshe saw that, that thousands of years later, without any miracles, and, and the Pung Faket, and all the hell and there's still, the Nitzvot, there's still something, that's what he was humble for. And I elaborate exactly as I said it now. I did not, you know, they get, the other two did, messed it up, so I decided I'm going to take my full time here. And I said, so I was taught by my Rebbe, and I was taught by my Rabbeim. And I said clearly, I said it, I wanted to say it. I was taught that if Mashiach comes tonight, the Neshamas with the greatest challenges are going to march first. Because the fact that they are in such a situation is maybe because they were given the greatest strengths. And it's God's mysterious ways. We don't know. And by tomorrow morning, every Jew, no matter what background, will recognize that the best way to actualize as a human being and as a Jew is through Taylor Mitzvahs. 
That's what I said. And I sat down. I have to tell you the reaction, even though it um, was good for my ego, but, uh, you know, total transparency. Um, in contrast to what they gave that rabbi, the boo, it was a big standing ovation. And I was very proud that moment, not uh, in any cheap way, because I knew my answer was not from my ideas. This is chassidus. Without chassidus, you never could answer that question, because everything's based on how many mitzvahs you have. The concept of what a neshama is, the mystery of a neshama, and we don't know which neshama is greater. The Mashiach coming is not like the Yemadina Godel and everybody who's secular is going to just be killed, which is the classic view by many mainstream thinking. It's pure chassidus. Chassidus teaches you what a neshama is and, and humbles you that anyone here, and I say this all the time, by a Shabbos table, if someone were to ask you, right now, if someone were to ask you, who's the greatest neshama on this table? There's no one here is going to say the one that knows the most tater or I'm the host. Who, how do you know? And I can tell you, take away chassidus and someone will ask who's the greatest neshama. It's going to be the biggest Talmud Chacham or the guy with the longest beard or the guy at least who's masquerading as the biggest mahadir or whatever it may be. So the point is, let me just tell you the end of it. The woman came over to me, the one that asked the question. She was very emotional. And she said to me, these words, she says, you don't know what you did for me tonight. That was it. You know, I was wise enough not to ask what that means. Not my business. I don't know what, her was going, what she was going through. I never met her again. That was the, once back then. But, you know, sometimes you need to have uh, a story like this to capture the real gift and the real bracha what Chassidus gives us. Again, it's easy to take for granted. Many of us, for this is a given. Of course, who knows which neshama is greater? Like the Alter Rebbe says, that klor, mi in Tanya, periklev. <clears throat> but to, to see it in action, and in this type of way, I said, as I said, this is this story captured very profoundly. So I think Miguel Pale, um, some of the greatest gifts, as I mentioned, we take for granted. We don't appreciate. Comes Yutas Kislev, Rosh Hashanah of Chassidus. And we're standing. It's 223 years since Al-Tarebbe left prison. And after everything we went through, we're here. It's, uh, I mean, it's critical to not, to, to not squander and to appreciate the moment. We know that Al-Tarebbe says anyone that will celebrate his day all the gates are open, all the brachas are open. It's not, it's not stam words. Why would Alta ever say that? It's because this day represents more than just an individual uh, liberation of an individual miracle. It changed history. The door opened up. The Chassidus can now come and pour forth without Hagbalas to every person, even secular people, even people who may not, like I said before, the Ben Chela may not know anything, but the neshama could be touched with chassidus. Now, obviously, we want to teach kolatetakula to everyone. But sometimes the first thing you need is to awaken someone. You need to, to touch, and it's the neshama things that touch people. Not always the digdu kalshal divrei suffering that's going to touch the person. It may, but neshama things definitely touch. And that's what chassidus is. It's a neshama dika language. It's a language of the soul. It's the song of the soul, as we spoke about. That's why... It's not just, Nigin is not just a uh, 
adjunct. It's a chelik ikri. And then both the singing Nunagunim and also the whole Hargosha show of it. The Rebbe promised us 30 years ago, he said that he did everything and now it's up to us. Now, what does it mean up to us? Everyone's been debating that question for 30 years and they're still debating it. So everybody can type how they want and I'm sure there's many interpretations. But one thing is for sure, there's something up to us that you can't deny. That's what the Rebbe said. That means there's something you and I can do and should do. And the Rebbe said we could do because he wouldn't tell us we can do it if we don't have the Koyach that we haven't done till now. To me, it's very straightforward. I always thought of it this way. Ultimately, Chassidus was given to us to appreciate Elokus and to be Megal Elokus. Geula is putting the Aleph of Alufa Shalelem into Geula and singular Gile Elokus. What does the Alter Rebbe say in Perek Lamed Zayin, right in the beginning? That this Gili of Yemesim Mashiach Tchisimesim, what is it? Gili Eden Sov Be'elam Azagashmi. In language of Nigla, of the Rambam, Lo Yi Eser Kole Elam El Ladas Hashem Bolvad, Mola Ardeis Hashem, Kamayim Leom Mechasim. What is this day, Hashem? This is Chsidis. The pure Chsidis is the closest thing we have to, da, to Das Hashem. Now, Kamuvan, Kola Tere, but especially Primis Tere, that has that Neshamadika language. So to me, it's as clear as day that Yutas Kislev, that's what we need to do. We have to be able to personalize this in our own lives and communicate that to someone, even one person. This woman, I don't know what happened to her, but I hope that, that the word that I shared in some way affected her, maybe till this day. You never know. You know, sometimes you see the Tetzos and the the the, the fruits of your labor. Sometimes you don't. But there's no question that uh, as the Rabbein promised us that you share a, a divre lekim chaim, emes. Emes has an effect. Sometimes immediate, sometimes it's planting a seed. Emes, it's titzmach. So the, the commitment that we have to have, each one of us has to, as the Rebbe Rashab says, have to create a sviva. And a yem yem he brings it. And a bechosit does not create a sviva, an environment, he has to ask himself why did the Shama come down to this world. It's a pretty sharp uh, expression. So here we are. Our Nisham is here. They wish to renew it this morning. Why did it come down? To celebrate Yutas Kislev, to celebrate Chsidis, but above all, to bring Chsidis to even one person, to, even to ourselves. Chutzah, that Samach Tzadik says, is even bringing from Meichen to Midas. But Chutzah today means a lot more than that. Chutzah is also Chutzah Sheikh Chutzah Lamatim, Chutzah Memeno, which means to the farthest people, people who may don't even know all of of Yiddishkeit. But that even the tipa, one drop of water from the Keser Melech, can, can revive even a comatose child. And we all are in some way comatose. So, Lechaim, Lechaim, Kislev, to the Altarebbe, to the Rabbeim, the gifts they've given us. And we have our role now to appreciate them. The Rebbe said, I gave you everything. Tut Basirkent. Tut Alz Basirkent. Lechaim, Lechaim.
לחיים, לחיים, לחיים. And one of the stories that were um, told before Yutes Kislev is the famous story with Rab Shmuel Munkus. <clears throat> Today we have more details because the Rebbe's Shimas that were discovered after Gimel Tammuz. But I think the story carries a tremendous lesson to us. You know, the big question that people ask today, it's um, 28 years since Gimel Tammuz, 30 years since Chavzayin Oder, Rune Beis. So the story goes, and here with all the details, is that when the Alter Rebbe began hearing the rumors that uh, they were mastering on him, informing on him for uh, so-called counter-revolutionary activity in supporting Turkey and countries that were at war with uh, Russia. So the Alter Rebbe, knowing that he may be arrested, prepared in his house a back door where he could hide in case anybody came to arrest him. He could, like, escape. So, indeed, some of the soldiers came of the, of the regime, and, they, uh, and as soon as they heard the knock on the window, so the Al-Tareb escaped in the secret uh, hiding place. The Rebetzin, his Rebetzin remained there, and the soldiers started interrogating her and roughing her up. It says in the Shima that they actually slapped her and they knocked out a tooth. That's what it says. Then they left. Al-Tarebi came out of the hiding place. It's the middle of the night. And there's another knock on the window. As I said, some of these details we didn't know till the Shimas of the Rebbe were. And who is it? They peek out the window. It's none other than Shmuel Munkis. Shmuel Munkus. Shmuel Munkus, Spice Days, this is my own order, was a, a Nachtfegel. He came to always come at night. You know, the famous story of Shmuel Munkus when he first came to the Alter Rebbe was also middle of the night. And Alter Rebbe told him that if he doesn't leave, he's going to call the Goy. And he said, Mein Goy is starke Ferrari Goy Rebbe. So there's some people that are night, night birds, Nachtfeglach. Shmuel Munkus came at night. The Alter Rebbe opened the door and says to Shmuel Munkus, You also come at night. In other words, you're also frightening us. You know, who comes by night? The umgewunschene element, the mazikim come by night. So Shmuel Munkus, Shmuel Munkus says to the Alter Rebbe, I didn't know by the Rebbe there's a night. In other words, the Rebbe has something to be afraid of. And then the famous part that everybody knows, he asked Shmuel Munkus, should he cooperate and allow himself to get arrested? So here's, and I'll share with you a line that many people don't know that was not printed because it was so sharp. So Shmuel Munkus famously answered, he said to the Alter Rebbe, either or. 
If you're a Rebbe, nothing's going to happen. The Rebbe still protect you. And here's dot, dot, dot. But since you all came out late in the night, I'll, I'll reveal to you what it says. It's a little secret. You deserve a bullet to your head, as Mishmol Munka said to the Alter Rebbe. So taking away the, the pleasure of Elam Hazar from so many Chassidim. Now, it's another confabring, and how could a, a, a Chosid say that to a Rebbe? Even uh, as a joke. <coughs> now, obviously, Shmuel Munkas didn't even have a Havamina that that second half is true. Maybe that's why he could say it, but by him, the Rebbe is a Rebbe, but he said that to the Alter Rebbe, imagine. That's how it's printed. <coughs> now, I'll tell you why I share the story, both on a personal note, but also, I think, a tremendous lesson. I always thought, like, why do we need to know this story exactly? What's connected to Yutas Kislev? Because then, then, then Alter Rebbe did get arrested. He did cooperate. And Taka, Rebbe, and St. Ishgeshat. He came out not only intact, he came out stronger even. It was the opening of Chassidus, you know, ways that unprecedented. So today, since... Uh, I guess we call it, you know, there was a time everything was a secret. Now everybody's saying everything. Everything is an open mic. You know, once people didn't say anything, today they don't stop speaking. You know that joke they say, this uh, Jew went to the Galach and he came to confess his sins. And the Galach was like so impressed, he says to him, before you do that, how did you come to realize that this is the place of truth? You're coming to me, the Galach. He said, don't take it personal, I'm telling everybody, you know. Um, in Tav Shalom Ches, a chatosi ani maskir. You know, I'm not going to share everything. I'll share one confession, just in case you're uh, getting excited. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hintele, hintele, dir ken, mir kannst du kuschen, yeah. So the, Ramat Ches, I was 21 years old. I was in my prime as a bocher, 770, working in Sefer Lekutim Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe's creation, his own initiative. I was helping in the Sichas. And um, it was like, uh, I was like in Gan Eden, it couldn't be better. Mamish, all the Giluyim, Lamed Ches, Tishrei. And then came Shmini Atzeres, Lamed Ches, the heart attack. And it's, it's, unless you were around then, it's hard to describe, but if there's a time, unlike today, unfortunately, that nobody even uttered, even a remez of a word about the Rebbe in any mortal way. You know, today, then you wouldn't even, you know. So I remember, you know, I myself, I was, uh, I, I had my uh, so-called um, skepticism, if you wish. And I remember saying to myself, and I couldn't say it to anybody, forget it, you'd be excommunicated. I said, you know, what happens if the to takes the Rebbe? And it was a serious uh, heart attack. We're not talking about a joke. Now, today we know it was a killer heart attack, especially 5 a.m. 
And I said to myself, you know, we're all giving our entire lives to the Rebbe. And let's say this, what, what happens tomorrow? If the Rebbe is no longer here, Begashmi is like we all left hanging. And as I said, there was no one to talk to. You couldn't even say that. You're not even allowed to think it. But I did. And Hashgacha Pratis, I don't know how, why, I happened to fall upon the story of Shmuel Munkista. It didn't have all the details that I shared now because we didn't have all, but the story was known. And I'll tell you the dramatic impact it had on me. I'll tell you exactly my thoughts then. What I realized was, after reading that story, I said, you know what, grow up and stop being a little baby. You're 21 years old. You're only here when there's the party, when everything is so beautiful. And as soon as the going gets a little tough, you're out. If you're in the army, sometimes it's going to be beautiful, and sometimes there are going to be challenges. That's what happens when you're at war. If the Rebbe's emes, like Rabbi Shmuel Munkus said, that the Rebbe's an emes lamite, then he's emes whether it works out the way you like it or you don't like it. And if he's not, get out right now, even when things are going good. In other words, you're only here when everything is nice. Mamish, what I said to myself. And I grew up very quickly, that Tkufa. Uh, and if you want, I could say I had my Gimel Thomas moment there. Because I made my decision. And it was, I'm in. If it works out the way I like it, it doesn't work out exactly. The Rebbe is Nitzchi because it looks good to me, and because it's nice. And if there's a heart attack, suddenly the Nitzchi is not there. Monavshach, a Rebbe is a Rebbe. Like Shmuel Munkus said. And if he's not, you know, just, you know, that was my very extreme black and white picture. It wasn't like half-half. You're either in or you're not in. A soldier in an army, if you're a real soldier, not every battle will be always won right away. That's life. That's how it is. If the Jews always were winning and had no tzodas through Golis, that's not the case. We had plenty of tzodas. We had plenty of reasons to give up on God and on Teda and Mitzvahs. But we didn't. Because that's what a mature person does. You have enough reason to fight on. Anyway, this was my experience. I'm speaking completely for myself. I'm not saying this. But then I heard a few stories that I want to share. I think, so when Gimel Thomas came, for me personally, of course it was a tragedy, like for all of us. But on a personal level, you know, I want the, the Rebbe, you love the Rebbe, and Begashmis, you want to be with the Rebbe. But it was not an existential crisis for me, like in Amunah. I already, because to me, a Nitzchi is a Nitzchi. Nitzchi does not depend on, like when I was asked once by a journalist, so why don't you look for another Rebbe? I said, listen, why don't you ask me why don't I look for another father? My father passed away 16 years ago. I'm not looking for another father. I have a father. Wherever he is now, but it's still my father. So I heard two stories when I was a Bochir that I that came to, to very relevant these days which really captures this even more. Um, the first story is from both with the Tzemach Tzedek. When the Tzemach Tzedek's Rebbe Chaim Mushka was nostalgic, also Chaim Mushka and the same name, and also five years earlier, Tafresh Chav Aleph, Tzemach Tzedek is Talkus is Tafresh Chavav. So we know that Tzemach Tzedek went into a, whatever you want to call it, a helm. It didn't say my modem anymore, there was no yechidus, no answers. 
I'm not sure how long it lasted, but it was definitely, a, a, we know it from letters, Chassidim tried, they taught the Tzamech Tzedek that we need to have, Tzamech Tzedek, Voskanechton, Ein Melech Belei Matranisa, a king is not a king without a queen, which of course is very strong words. It's similar, very similar to what the Rebbe said, you know, the Rebbe asked Rabbi Pekarski after Chav Be'i if Api Alochi still has a Kesher with his, with his Shver. I mean, just the Shaila is already shocking. Rabbi Pekarski was smart enough, he said, what's the Shaila? Shtof is Sereid and it's Nitzchig But the Rebbe asked, so, and the Chassidim answered, the Teir is called the Malka. Yeah, but the Ratzim Chassidim was not uh, consoled. So it was a big, uh, it was a big, uh, it was a dark time because Chassidim, the Ratzim Chassidim wasn't secluded. Then the word came that Samach Tzedek is going to say a Maimar Chassidus. So you can imagine the Simcha Gedela. Samach Tzedek is going to say a Maimar Chassidus after all this. Chassidim gathered the Bavich. Rabbi Hila Paracher was already an older man. He passed away in Tofresh Chof, Chof, um, Chof um, Dalit, Yural of Ov. So also he was already an older man by then. But still, a Maimar for him, that Samach Tzedek is going to say a came to Lubavitch, it was hard, he came. They're all waiting for Tzamech Tzedek to come say the Maim Chassidus. Listen to this. I heard, when I heard it from Rab Shmuel, I think, Rab Shmuel of Itten, and he was, uh, his stories were very close to the Mokr because he was born after the Marash, Stalkos. So, okay. Tzamech Tzedek, they're waiting, half hour passes, 45 minutes. Tzamech Tzedek's not coming out. <clears throat> so Rabbi Hill couldn't wait because not because he was very physically not well. So he was walking out for, he would come back, but he was walking out. And then he suddenly heard these two young, younger, whatever you want to call them, younger chassidim, they're talking to each other. And he didn't like what he heard. They were talking somewhat in a language you're not supposed to talk about a Rebbe. Like they were saying, was Kementon, the Rebbe is, I don't know whether they said, Moreshcheda, or some other expression like that. So you can imagine Rabbi Hillel heard that, he got a new surge of chayas, and he went over to them. This is exactly how I heard the story. And he told them, Shvenselach, Shvenselach, Shvenselach. You, you can all interpret it as you see fit. There's, a, there's mild interpretations you can use, more, more explicit interpretations. So Shvenselach, 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 what's meant here? A Rebbe is Egen Anoz Mitamoyel. A Rebbe is Elikus. What do you think? A Rebbe's eyes, nose, and a mouth. A Rebbe is godliness. And when there's a concealment on Elikus, on godliness, there's a concealment on the Rebbe. You think about I mean, when you hear it, it's, it's poshit. But it's a whole different way of looking at a Rebbe. There was a Rebbe Zadug Milamayla. There's Geshinta Begalusa also. The Ibishta also cries. Kavyochl. So a Rebbe could also cry. And a Rebbe could also be what we call it. It's not sad like we're sad. It's a lakus. It's a getlacha sadness, so to speak. A getlacha helem. Now, this is the way you speak about a Rebbe, if you're going to speak already. The second story I heard was also with Rabil and the Tzamech Tzedek. So Rabbi Hill would go to Yechidus, the Tzamech Tzedek, he would always go last. Because he had a lot of Avreich, he had a lot of people would come to him. So when he'd be by the Rebbe, first he'd bring up his things, and then he would talk about the other Chassidim that would come to Rabbi Hill. Rabbi Hill was a big mashpia. 
Halberebbe, they called him. Anyway, the Echidus finishes, and Abhil state, it's three o'clock in the morning, whenever the time. Some Exodic said, Vosnoch, well, you know, like what else you want? So, you know, Abhil had a Sinusaidigavon not taiva by him. He wanted to hear a Maimach Siddhis. So he says to the Samach Sadak, uh, we'll have not Maimach Siddhis. Samach Sadak smiles and says, So those Manim Kavuyim, you know, they're designated times from Maimach, midnight, like, you know, middle of nowhere. But that, uh, and then Abhil remained standing, that Samach Sadak stood up and walked out. He didn't leave, you know, by the minig then was by Yechidus night, Chassidim that went to Yechidus didn't go to sleep. They fabrenged all night. So they were fabrenging on a hill and the Chassidim. And lo and behold, around an hour later, some Chassidim reappears and says, I'm I'm Chassidim for them. So what did the Chassidim fabreng? I remember Abshmul said, he heard it from Chassidim Hurad, that fabrenged. He said, what did they fabreng? They fabrenged. These were the words he said. He said, "As a Rebbe cannot have any God forbid ever cut himself off from Chassidim, but a Chassid can Kavyochol feel like paid on the Rebbe, like he feels the Rebbe is not there for him." So the Chassidim said, "Adivas varten for the Rebbe, but the Rebbe tzarikum." That was what they said. Then they didn't finish the sentence. So I want to say, you know, we're here. It is a while. It's a generation from Gimel Tammuz almost. A lot of people here weren't even born yet then. And uh, we're 223 years from the Alter Rebbe. But we live with the, the Nitzchius of Chassidus, that Yad Chassidim al Yena, despite what we went through. And just the mere fact that we're sitting here, forget about all the Madregas, no Madregas. This is a, a, a personification of Nitzchius, of the Rabbeim and what they stood for. And I think it's vital to recalibrate how we talk about it and how we think about the Rebbe. Obviously, we all understand Gimel Tam is a Helen. That's Dover Poshet. But is it a, a stira to the Nitzchius of the Rebbe? It can be Me'erish Shveikas and Silas. Not, it's an Asayan, no doubt. But when you hear and learn what a Rebbe really is, these stories, Shmuel Munkas said, and that's why I think maybe that story is so Yutas Kislev, Shmuel Munkas in a sense as a chosid. Because you know, the Alter Rebbe didn't know that if he's a real Rebbe, he doesn't have to be afraid, but he needed Shmuel Munkas to tell him that uh, you're a Rebbe and the Rebbe still protect you. But when a chosid says it, it means even Das Tachten, even Elam Hazer recognizes it, that a Rebbe is a Nitzchi, and there's nothing to be afraid of. And the other option is not an option, because the other option means if you're really not a Rebbe, then everything you did, you deserve the worst. What kind of behavior is that of teaching Chassidus and Bittl? And then, you know, how could you deprive us from a geschmack, a piece of uh, roast beef? What is this? What do we have here? Okay. Stop living. So, essentially, Yutas Kislev is a testimony that it's Nitzchi, when the Alter Rebbe in prison asked the Baal Shem Tev and the Magad when they visited him, what should he do? And they said, Ad Rabbi, you come out, you should even more, spread more chassidus. Because it was a vindication that what the Alter Rebbe was doing was not only allowed, that on the contrary, the Rebbe Rashab says, that's what he says, it's hard to say this, but you could say that Petterburg, meaning Yutas Kislev, 
is al he doesn't want to say it on the Alter Rebbe, meaning kvetched. But the Alter Rebbe, when he was pressed, he was squeezed, the, the olive oil came flowing. I remember uh, just as a Derechatzachus, every time the, that individual from Bnei Brak would talk against the Jewish people, um, the Rebbe would talk, the Gleste Giluim about Avis Yisrael, Mamish Chidushim, I remember. Amzu Yitzarti, Vayikra Tovshinun, Kisove Nun Aleph, Vayichi and Shmois Nun Aleph. Every time he came out with an anti Semitic drosha from Bnei Brak, the Rebbe would come out with this deepest musogim in, in what Nashama is. And Takin, you needed him to bring that out. And I remember we made a joke that we tried to convince them in Bnei Brak to start talking against Samarvov and Ayim Beis. And then we'll hear from the Rebbe, the Grest of Giluim of the Chidushim of Chassidus. But we didn't pull that off, we couldn't pull that off. But that's how it is, Meza Siba, Menagid, you know, it says in Bos Lagani, Nitzchis, Netzach, Netzachin. You need an oyev, you need an enemy to bring out the Midas HaNetzachin. The Midas HaNetzachin of Yutas Kislev and the unbelievable humility, Katenti Mekolch Achsodim, the Alter Rebbe in the Geras HaKedish Beis, how Katenti, you know, all the Achsodim, I'm humbled by it. And they shouldn't gloat, Chassidim shouldn't gloat, but even though we had this in the Tzachin, because the Tzachin is Shogdusha, it's not about beating up someone who don't... And, um, but it's still the testimony of Nitzchis, of Arebe, Nitzchis of Chassidus, and therefore, what's the personal lesson? That Gimel Thomas does not change the Nitzchis of the Rebbe or Chassidus, even if there's a Helam. And Adarabe, the Helam ultimately is meant to bring out even a bigger Gili. Because at, at the end of the day, that's how we have to understand it, that why God wanted it this way, we don't know. But if anything, it should bring out a deeper Ava, a deeper love, a deeper passion. And in many ways, Boshet Balabat is good at. The Rebbe is not here for bringing tonight Yutas Kislev in ways that we, with our Eni Boshet and Aznaim Psalim can hear. So we have to, so to speak, I don't want to say fill the void. We can't replace it. But we have to be the arms and legs. And the Rebbe said clearly, Gimel Shvat Tovshin Nun Aleph, Nun Beis, that when the Rebbe has a stroke, we have to be the mouthpiece. We have to be the mouthpiece, that our mouths say what the Rebbe says on Yutas Kislev. That's our job. And now we have to do it even stronger. Like the Rebbe then gave over when Lamat Ches, when there was no Fabrengen, it was an empty chair, a coffers before a coffers shminiat shminchas teda lametches. So the Rebbe said, "When the seat is empty, it has to actually remind you even more, and therefore bring out even more." Like the Rebbe said, the the, the vacuum of the needle produces even more power than the needle itself. That was the the kudah. So obviously, we all prefer nogim altamas and all these halomas, but bepoil for a chassid, there's no other option. The helm has to evoke a deeper gilui, a deeper rotsin, a deeper chuke, and Samoyan, we spoke Tsamalakhanafshi. You know, maybe take sometimes when you have the giluim, you don't really appreciate it. And now it causes us to have to appreciate it deeper. So Yutas Kislev today, Tovshin Nun Tovshin Pei has particular meaning that the Nitzchis of the Al Tareb and all the Rabbeim
That's we need to hold on to that. That's the only thing we have. There's no other option, to be honest. I mean, you know, Chazra Shalom, someone has questions, by all means, ask your questions. And I know many people have very big challenges. But at the end of the day, like Rabbi Shmuel Munker, Shmuel Munker said, this is it. There's really no two options. It's either totally emes or totally sheket. There's really no half emes here. And I know it sounds very extreme, but I don't really see another option, to be honest. When you're coming to matters like this, and obviously we know that there's only one option here. So, may finally demonstrate that Chassidim are ready. We should be reunited with the Rebbe enough, Rachmanus on us, you know. How much can we really be expected? We're not such, we're not Bali Madrege. But we have to, as long as we're here, we have to do whatever we can. That's our job. And hopefully the heaven, the Shari Rachmim will be opened from heaven, as the Alta Rebbe says on this day, and the rest will be done by the Ebishter, by the Rebbe L'chaim, L'chaim, L'chaim. <coughs>
לחיים, לחיים, לחיים. I once heard a story um, time of the Rebbe Rashab. So it was on a, a Shabbos. I think it was in the Nuns. And that Shabbos, a special guest came. He was a Chavar uh, and a Chassid of the Rebbe Rashab. But they were also learned together when they were young. <clears throat> So the Chassidim were looking out especially because they wanted to see the reunion between the two, the Rebbe Rashab and his, by the Rebbe Marash, they were children and they learned together, Chavrusa. Al-Kaponim, by the meals, Friday night meal and then Shabbos day, nothing, they didn't see anything dramatic happen. Came by Shalosh Sudhis, So this older chassid started singing a nigan. I tried to figure, I tried to ask around. I don't think I was able to ever establish which nigan it was. But he started singing a nigan that they were not familiar with. It was like a, one of the more obscure Chabad nigunim. And as he began singing, as this, they went entered the song, the Rashab, everybody saw, went into like a, like a trance, or do you want to call it, transported to another time and place. You could see he was in a different place and time. And they sang and they sang, then finally the song came to an end. And even when it finished, the Rebbe Rashab still had his eyes closed. And then a few minutes passed and the Rebbe Rashab opened his eyes. And this was the first time he greeted his chaver, uh, so to speak, this chosid. And the Rebbe Rashab said, you remember? And the chassid answered, yeah, I remember. And that was it. The meal ended. Shabbos ended. And that Matzai Shabbos, the chassid passed away. Later they asked the Rebbe Rashab, you know, what was going on here? What was the story? She so said that the last time him and I were together were with my father. And we were by the Atish, Shabbos Tish. And this song was sung then. We sung this song by my father by the table. And that was a nigan that, you know, a nigan has a way of connecting people, uniting people. And it's now, what did he say, at least 25 years later. So when he started singing the nigan, it brought me back to, back in Tofresh, I think Chof Ches or Tafrish Chof Tes. <coughs> and not um, much like as of time never passed. So all I needed to hear was Ebe Gedenkt. Once he said a Gedenkt, I didn't need to say Shalom Aleichem to him because we never had parted ways. The Nigan transcended the time and space exactly as it was back then in Tafrish Chof Ches, now Tafrish Nun Ches. Something like that, 30 years later. And one of the ways we, um, we re-experience uh, the Rebbe 
is when you sing a nigan, especially like Al Rebbe's nigan, and uh, you know today there are videos. But those of us that remember, you saw the Rebbe go into a different space in some of these nigunim, especially Al Rebbe's nigan. And these things get frozen in time. That even though many things happen in between and over and under, I mean, I'm sure a lot of things we all gotten older. But it's it's uh, maybe it doesn't take a lot of effort, maybe a little effort to reconnect as of the time never. So there's one thing you remember something. You know, people have memories. But it's another as if it never, time never passed. You know, sometimes I walk in 770, you know, and I walk a place where I knew the Rebbe walked many times, you know, out of shul or into shul or by the Fabrengans. And sometimes, you know, it's the middle of the night or whatever, there's nothing happening there. And you sometimes feel, you know, this is a place that that was the center of the universe. So when the Rebbe danced, the Rebbe spoke, the Rebbe cried, the Rebbe smiled. And, you know, any buser, we don't see, it's like, you know, it looks like a plane. I remember reading the first time, Rishchei Shvat, Tovshin Yud Aleph. The Rebbe wrote a letter almost a year from the Histalkos of Yud Shvat, Tovshin Yud. So Rishchei Shvat, Tovshin Yud Aleph, you have to read this letter, it's a short letter. And the Rebbe writes, over Kayit, over Cherif, the summer passed, the winter passed. Vesazman Asher And time does its thing. You forget. You know, you want to believe and feel that Rebbe Chsidis, in a sense, can reveal that some things don't change at all. And even though we are simple people, we see external changes, but the etzem doesn't change. One of the most uh, powerful sikhs that the Rebbe was Vayikra Tov Zayin. If I may, it's the only time we ever got a compliment from the Rebbe. We usually got a lot of critique, good critique, chesed, shebe chesed, but never, very rarely, this is the only time I ever got a compliment. But the Rebbe wrote on the Sikha that Higdilu Lases, that, you know, is impressive. Um, and what is the Sikha about? About the Nitzchis of Nisim. It was right a few months after Heitavis, the court case. Heitavis Memzain, this was Vayikra Memzain. And the Rebbe brings there a story from the, from Tafresh Pei, the first Maimer the Friedrich Rebbe ever delivered. So he talks about Kedusha Lezazimim came out, Kedusha never changes. Like the Kaisal Marav right now, Kaisal, Harabais, there's no base Amigdash, but you're not allowed to walk there. Because some things are Nitzchi. Lezazimim came out. Even though um, Rabbi Ruven Dunin Olavashalom once told somebody he was going to New York for Tishrei. So he met someone at the airport that he knew in the, in the military. And he said, where are you going? He says, I'm going to the Rebbe. He says, what do you mean? We have the Kaisal Maravi here. You have Yerushalayim, Mirakedosh. Kedusha Lezazimim came up. So Reuven Dunin said to him, Ani, Ani, cannot say he's a Kedusha. Shekein Zazim is man, is man. That he wants a Kedusha that does uh, sometimes. That's not just completely frozen. Okay, that's a Hergish. Um... So, 
so, um, so the Rebbe there brings the Sicha, the Maimer rather. So the Friedrich Rebbe, the first Maimer he said after the Rebbe Rashab was Nistalik, Tiks talks about Kedushle Zazimim Kema. But he says, he tells a story, the Friedrich Rebbe, and he was four or five years old. He was in the room, the Chedi Yechidus of the Rebbe Marash, and the, and the Rebbe Rashab walks in, and he's dressed with a kapot, you know, all the levushim and a, and a gartel. And he's standing by the table, speaking to Rebbe Marash, exactly as he did Bechayov. This was, uh, this was just, Be'erech, I think he says, Be'erech Tafresh, Memdalar or Memhei. So the Friedrich Rebbe would have been four or five. And it was after this Talkus, which was Mem Gimel. So he says, and my father was standing there exactly when, like Bechayov, and crying, Zolgu Enev Demois. It was tears coming from his eyes. And that he brings as a raya of Kalim of Atsilus that Kedusha Zozimim came. That the very table and the furniture and the chair and even the Tashmish, not just the Rebbe, his physical objects that he worked with, that he learned with, that he learned on and so on, retained their Kedusha. You know, one of the big things in Chassidus, one of the big themes, is that everything in this world is a, is a nifsit, kol heva nifsit. Everything is subject to mortality. Everything erodes, deteriorates, and then perishes. The famous Bachai that Chassidus uh, cites, and the Rebbe says, Ulai, we don't have the exact place, the source, that Tinuk, Mishanelad, Maskal Yavish. A child doesn't start aging when we're 80 years old or 70 or 60. You start aging the second you're born. However, you don't see the aging yet because you can't be 30 if you're not 20. You can't be 80 if you were not. So aging starts with, because this world, Svoha Oretz, is Kayom Be'imin, but not Be'ish. And makes a big thing about it. This is one of the ways, because when you see Nitzchi, that's a simon of Elikuz, because the only thing that could be eternal is something that doesn't have a beginning, so it doesn't have an end. It's not subject to mortality. Now, you know, you learn in Chassidus, it's a concept. It's good for his bonanus, godless habeda, or the Rambam, eketzid yovei, heich yovdem yovei la'avosin l'irosei, But for Chassidim, it really comes down to eternity in our lives. We believe a yichud zanitzchi le'elam vod, l'mayel le'elam vod, and that things are things that are, do not change, and it's like a iker shebe iker. I remember with Gimel Tamas was uh, Sunday, right? Mitzray Shabbos, the first. Two days later, I was on Larry King. I'm not here to dropping names, Larry King, but I was uh, yeah, CNN, and it was about the Rebbe. It was a live satellite. So you're sitting in this room, there's no people, it's only cameras. So it's a little uh, disorienting. Larry King asked me this question. I wasn't ready for it. It was live. I had to answer spontaneously. Now I was sitting, you know, they do these shows, they always have a, a counter, a person who's not a Chabadnik, let's put it that way. And... Um, so it was myself, Shalom Lipsker from Miami, and Nadler, if you remember him. So anyway, 
So Larry King's asked this question. Everything's very quick. It's like 30-second answers. He says, Rabbi Jacobson, I need to understand something. We understand that Chabad community is very saddened by the tragic death of the Rebbe. But um, why are you shocked? Everybody dies. You know, I understand sadness, grief, of course. We mourn, we grieve. Why are you so shocked? That was his question. And I had to be quick on the feet because you have to answer and you can't just drink a cup. You don't like say, you know what, uh, I'll get back to you. Um, and you have to say it also in the issues that I'm scabless. So I said, well, you have to remember for us, the Rebbe embodied Torah. And Torah is eternal. It went through the Holocaust, it went through the pogroms, it went through the Inquisitions, it went through the Crusaders, it went through the destruction of the temples, and still standing. So when mortality touches immortality, it's more than just sad, it's a shock. That's what I said. Then there was a break for an ad, and Nadler was sitting near me. He wasn't exactly a of Chabad, let's put it this way. He says to me, immortality? So I said, hey, Mr. Nadler, it's your turn next. Go ahead and rebut it. He says, no, no, I'm not that stupid. First of all, everybody's sympathies are with you guys now, so I'm not going <laughs> to... And secondly, the way you put it, what am I supposed to say? The Reb is not Torah. I'm going to say the Reb and, and Torah is not immortal. He just says, I see you're, you're a clever guy. You know how to package it. That sounds right. You know, that's what he... Anyway, he didn't rebut it because what is he going to say exactly? It's true. Torah is Nitzchi. So if you put the, turn the Rebbe into human is one thing, but if the Rebbe is embodiment of Torah, it is a shock when you see a net as inyan Nitzchi, so to speak, behalom. So at the end of the day, Chassidus teaches us that you could have Nitzchis in this material, impermanent world. Everything dies. Money dies. Your looks, physical things, they all will go through changes. By us chassidim, when you stand in front of a rebbe, you're standing in something nitzchi. That does not die. Because it's not subject to the laws of nature. It's subject, it's an uh, inyan of elokus. And elokus is And I just want to say, if it, it feels proud to be connected to something nitzchi.
Chaim, Chaim. Chaim Levracha. Shekoyach, Rav Simen, all the Varim of Erter. Shekoyach for giving me a small, uh, small intermission for Rav Simen. It's just a small break for Rav Simen continues. If you look at the history of uh, Yutas Kislev, the Soda, the celebration of Yutas Kislev, so you find that one of the big themes of a, a Soda, Yutas Kislev, was recounting, retelling the story of how the Alter Rebbe was arrested and how he came to be freed. A combination of you know, Teichen and the story, the history. There are a number of uh, Yingalite scholars of Chassidus uh, Chabad that have uh, released a uh, small publication called Merchav, a uh, small internal publication. There are Malakit recently, uh, a few of these articles that were written in the Jewish press 100 years ago and more, not necessarily the religious Jewish press, but every once in a while you had someone who wanted to give a literary expression to the memories they had from Enderheim what uh, Yiddishkeit, what Chassidishkeit was like. It was interesting to take a look to see how they describe the Su'uda, the Fabrengen of Yitzhak Kislev. So for example, in the year Samach Beis, 1902, someone who describes the following scene, says it was Kislev, all the Chassidim gathered to celebrate the holiday, the Chag HaCheros, and to tell the next, the following generation, what happened? What happened to the Alter Rebbe? So the character in the story, little Yisrael, would climb up on the wall, some kind of uh, you know, spot uh, emanating from the wall. He climbed up to catch every detail. He didn't want to miss a detail of the story. And all the chassidim are, are standing together. They're, they're, they're pushing. They're squeezing. They want to hear the story. They don't want to miss a single word. They've heard the story, of course, every single year. They know they tell you the story by heart. But every year it was like they heard the story for the first time. The place was silent. The, the candles, there was no electricity. The candles are casting a shadow over all the, attendant, the attendees. And uh, the, the Alto Chassid, whoever it was who got the schos, the kibbutz of telling the story. So this is how the, this is the, the quote, this is the description. This is what it would have sounded like if you were there over 100, 120 years ago. Avigdor, he went to Petterburg and he uh, has rebelled against the Tsar. So the Tsar uh, put out a decree and they arrested the Al-Tarebbe. Oh, all the chassidim in the audience, they, they felt it. And they said, oh, revenge, we have to take revenge against the, the, the descendants, the Enoch of Avigdor, Eichel Yisrael Yimach They took it very personally. They were experiencing it. Another, another author, another writer describes 10 years later, Tafish Ayim 1912. He's also describing the scene, he describes how the Rav, wherever the Chesidosh Rav, of whichever, wherever the story is set, emerges, they say L'chaim, and the Rav begins with the tradition, the Minigam Akubal, to say the whole story of what happened with Al-Tarebbe. Starts off with, of course, the Halshana 
of Avigdu Yimach Shmoy until the Altarev of the Rav was in jail in Tvisa, and then, of course, it culminates with the big day, Yutis Kislev. And from there, the Rav went on to describe the Far Peterburg, Noch Peterburg. It's interesting to see that already in 1912, in the secular press, that's already the description of the day, this Far Peterburg, Noch Peterburg. So we see the way they describe the scene, the way they set the scene, the way they describe the Fabrenganishen. They spoke about Far Peterburg, but there's also the story was a very integral part of the Fabrengen. And in the story itself, an integral part, one could say, is the emphasis on the villain. In fact, if you look in Sefer Anagunim, if you actually look in our Svarim and our Makaitis, look in Sefer Anagunim, Nigun Peidalad. So, sorry, Nigun, yeah, Nigun Peidalad, I believe. So it says, Nigun Peidalad is Shoshanas Yaakov. Okay, Shoshanas Yaakov is a Purim Dikin Nigun. But then it adds something in the Sefer Anagunim, in the beginning where it describes each song. It says, V'gam Shadowaisoi, they changed a few words. They modified a few of the lyrics. So instead of Shishanas Yaakov, it was Shishanas Chsidim. Instead of Baruch Mardchai, it was Baruch Dal Terebe. And instead of Aror Haman, it was Aror Avigdor Hamaser. That's what it says in Sefer Anagunim. And the entry for Shishanas Yaakov. In fact, someone shared today a recording of a Fabrengen. Montreal a few decades ago where they still they kept up the minig, they talk they sing Shoshana's Yaakov out the Kistafabrengan with these words. The gay of this niggin, Khanayas of Eisenbach recounts he shares that he heard from a Bianca Landau, the Rav of Bnebrak at a Fabreng of Yutis Kislev. Bianca Landau, of course, was by the Ebra Shab. So Bianca Landau recounted that he was once by the Ebra Shab and they talk a this minute, they, they, they sang Shoshana's Chassidim Tzalav Asamecha, and then they got to Arar Avigdar. So one of the Chashev Rabbanim was there, and he felt a little discomfort, he felt uncomfortable, and he said, Arar Avigdar? This is how we're talking about a Yid? So the Rebbe Rashab said, Neshama, Aber Vikuk Ziyos. How does this Neshama look? What kind of Neshama are we talking about? Yen and Neshama. That was the Rebbe Nashab's reaction. The Rebbe Nashab defended the, the practice, the Nusach of the Nigan. On the other hand, there's an interesting Rishima. Someone wrote a Yechidus down from the Rebbe, from Tovshim and Beis. That the Rebbe said as follows. The Rebbe said, my Shver, the Rebbe the Shver. Of course, Yutas Kislev came along. He would speak about Yutas Kislev, but the Bren. And uh, Yutas Kislev was celebrated with the grace of Shturim. And Fidik Rebbe would get a little into the story, the Alter Rebbe, the Talmidim. The Rebbe pointed out, the Rebbe said in this Yechidus, Fidik Rebbe never mentioned, one thing the Fidik Rebbe never mentioned in his recounting, he never mentioned the Avigdor, who was the Moiser, the Malshin of the Alter Rebbe. Fidik Rebbe skipped that, uh, that part. Then the Rebbe continued in the Yechidus, and he said that Medetzelt, that when they used to fabreng, Yutes Kislev, so this Avigdor would show up, and he would mourn, he would say, I also want L'chaim, give me a L'chaim also. They said, what? What connection do you have? How, how do you, uh, you're joining the Yutas Kislev Fabrengen? He said, what do you mean? If not for me, there would be no Fabrengen. I'm a Mechutten, I'm the Hyp Mechutten here at this Fabrengen. Give me L'chaim. So they gave him L'chaim. This is what the Rebbe uh, told someone in Yechidus and Tav Shemem Beis. And there are many other 
Lubavitch Mekaris about Avigdor's end, Miyasasof. But if you take a look, if you take a search, what I could see, if you search the Fidik Rebbe Sichas, not a single mention of Avigdor and Kavachemer the Rebbe Sichas, not the focus. Oh, the Beis Rebbe, the Beis Rebbe, when the Beis Rebbe talks about it, by the way, the Beis Rebbe, he mentions Avigdor a few times, but a few years ago they printed a Madura Kama of the Beis Rebbe, a first draft. And every time it mentions his name in the first draft, it also says, Avigdor Yimach Shmoy. But I guess when he printed it, he, he sanitized it a little bit. It doesn't, uh, but he, in, a, in Beis Rebbe, he mentions that, by the way, his two sons were chsidim, and they were so embarrassed by their, uh, by their family history that when they got an aliyah, they would call them by their shver's name. They didn't even want to be called Ben Avigdor to the, to the Torah. Yeah, and that they had an enakol, a zera chashv enakol, a very chsidim shayid, a rav. So that's what the Beis Rebbe writes. And he writes in a footnote, we see, we bring Bonam Shulham and Lam the Torah of Bonam Shulham. So, B'derech Afshar, what explains the shift? By the Rebbe Rashab, the Rebbe Rashab is still defending the Nigan, and then we don't sing this Nigan Lochera by the Fidik Rebbe and the Rebbe, we don't emphasize this. Yesh Leimar, B'derech Afshar, that if you look in earlier Makaitis, so how do you define Yiddish Kisav? You celebrate Yiddish Kisav as a Yom Tif. How does that fit into the Hagdaras of Yiddishkeit? What kind of Yom Tif is this? So we have a gather of Purim. There's Purim, uh, Morocco, Spain, Egypt. There's different Purims, different communities. They had a Tzara, they had a Nes. You celebrate Purim. So you could say you discussly fit into that uh, bracket, into that category. You talk of find earlier Chavad Mekaitis that compare you discussly to Hanukkah, to Purim. How's it the same? How's it different? So if you're describing it in that way, so it makes sense to describe, to emphasize there's a, there's a, a hero, there's a villain, Tzadik, there's a Rasha. Kanzain, Yishleim, and then after the Rebbe Rashab came and emphasized that Yitzh Kislev is the Rosh Hashanah of Chsidis, so it could be that that shifted the emphasis away. We don't have to focus Mamish on uh, this element. What year was the defense of Rebbe It doesn't say what year the Rebbe Rashab said that. By the way, if we're speaking about this, we should point out that there's actually a bit of a confusion here, a bit of a historical confusion. Because we know that Alter Rebbe was arrested twice. It was the first arrest in Tovkov and Tess, Yutas Kislev. But then there was a second arrest in, uh, two years later in Samachalov, around the same time of the year. Alter Rebbe was released, or at least re released from jail around Hanukkah time, and then he had to stay in Petterburg for a few, uh, many more months, until towards the end of the year when he got permission to move, and then he moved to Liadi. So if you look in earlier Mercatus, like Beis Rebbe, so the way Beis Rebbe tells the story of Yitzhak Kislev is that Avigdor went and he uh, mastered the Al-Tarebbe and it's describing the first arrest. And when he cuts to the second arrest, he says, it's not clear exactly what the details were. Was the Al-Tarebbe in jail? Was the Al-Tarebbe not in jail? Not fully clear. But uh, with the fall of communism, uh, many of the documents of the Al-Tarebbe's arrest were uh, released. The documents include even the Xaviyad of the Al-Tarebbe, the Al-Tarebbe's responses to the government interrogation, to the Malshinos. So it seems, now that we have the, the documentation, that we don't know who the Malshin was in the first arrest. It seems to have been someone anonymous. Even the government never found out who it was. It was a fake name. And Dafka, the second arrest, that's the one where Avigdor 
uh, was Malshanal Tereba by name, and the whole back and forth is almost just a showdown between these two individuals, the Victor and the Tereba, and they're, they're confronting each other, and Tereba is responding to Victor's Tainas. That was the second arrest in Samachalf. In Karim Chabad, where a lot of these documents were published, so he writes that in Beisirebi, he mentions Avigdor in the context of the first arrest. He writes, though, that it's clear that that's not quite the case. It could still be, though, that Avigdor was already involved in some informal way. And, in fact, we see from Avigdor's uh, writings the second time around that he seemed to be familiar, intimately familiar, with the details of the back and forth from the first arrest. But this tradition, tradition is we see that by the Yutas Kislev, they, they sang and they spoke about uh, Avigdor. So it's, it's almost as if the two events sort of merged into one event. And in fact, there is Taka Kamat, not any Zecher left to marking the Alter Rebbe's release the second time. In Karim Chabad, he discusses about how there might have been a tradition to, uh, to mark it during Hanukkah, the fifth, the fifth, fifth, the Lichtel of Hanukkah, may have had something to do with Alter Rebbe's release the second time. But there's almost no zeich left to that, so it's like the Yutas Kislev covers both. Taka last year, we, we spoke a bit about uh, the Alter Rebbe's responses to, uh, in, the first, uh, in the first arrest. There we have the Alter Rebbe's Ksaviyad in Hebrew, uh, detailed responses to every taina. But uh, today, to be Mekayim, the Indian of uh, the tradition of uh, telling the story of Yutas Kislev and Avigdor and Alter Rebbe, a combination of both, we're going to focus a little bit on the tightness in the second arrest and Al-Tarebbe's responses, which in this case we have mostly through translation. You look in Beis Rebbe, he describes the drama behind the scenes. There was a lot of, um, they were sort of trying to get control over who, had, who would get to translate Al-Tarebbe's responses. Would the Chassidim translate it and it would be accurate or would the Misnagdim translate it and, and it would be inaccurate? Lamaisa, we have the translation. Before we get to it, there are some that say, how do we know that the Al-Tarebbe is, is answering honestly? Maybe the Al-Tarebbe, when you're dealing with the, the government, you have to, why, should we be my eye so much on what the Al-Tarebbe said? So one of the only places, one of the single places where the Fidik Rebbe, the Derech Agav, mentions Avigdor, is in the Rishimus of the Rebbe, from what the Rebbe, Fidik Rebbe was uh, telling him in the ear of Tzadik Alf. The Fidik Rebbe tells the Rebbe that he saw and this Ksaviyat Kodesh of the Tzemach Tzedek, for some reason, it hasn't been uh, documented, we haven't seen it since, but the Fidik Rebbe told the Rebbe that he had the Ksaviyat Kodesh, and it begins, Masha Mosar Avigdor. So you see that Tzemach Tzedek is also being Isaac in this. What was Avigdor's Mesir of the Tzemach Tzedek right? So one of the things that's also mentioned in Beis Rebbe is that the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, is being Mo'erer Af. On the Malucha and Shemayin Asrei, when the Alter Rebbe down the Asrei, it seems that he's trying to awaken divine retribution against the government. So the Fidik Rebbe says that the Tzemach Tzedek wrote that the Alter Rebbe said that if he wanted, he could just deny it. You know, it's his word against their word. It's not true. But the Alter Rebbe didn't even want to deny it because they said it to shame the Baal Shem Tev. And the Alter Rebbe didn't want to, didn't want to be nifred separate to put any distance, any daylight between him and the Hashem Tov and Chassidus. And the Tzemach Tzedek, he goes on to describe how the Tzemach Tzedek uh, writes that the, uh, the, the Malshinus was that he was saying, af, af. During this Bainanus, the Shemayin Asrei, Itaka was saying, af, af, 
So Navigdor said Af means that he's being Mo'eder, Af Chema Dinim on the government. So the Altarab explained that no, Af in French means a monkey. And uh, Dersh Manasre is supposed to have Bittel. Amal, Oves, Menach Numa, different Psukim, that was true Bittel. Our Bittel is like a Kekoif Bifne Adam. So I'm saying Af to tell you that uh, whatever Bittel we have is Kekoif Bifne Adam. Okay, is that, is that Taka the Pshat? But uh, we see this idea that the that Alter Rebbe didn't want to say something that was mafred him from the Valshamtiv. So it doesn't seem like there's anything that Alter Rebbe would write that would be Shalei Kafiha Ames, at least in terms of putting any distance between what Chsidus teaches and how the Alter Rebbe is explaining it. So I just want to take a one take a look at one example, the the first and second Taina of Avigdor. And how the Altar ever responded. That will be enough for, for this time. So Avigdor was using as his source the Sefer Tzavoy Sarivash. We know at that time there weren't that many Chsidish Svarim. One of the earliest Chsidish Svarim was a Sefer called Tzavoy Sarivash. Which is it's advertised as the Barshant of Sava. We know famously the Alter Rebbe in the Gerasakaydish. Here also we'll see the Alter Rebbe says it's not quite uh, you know the way it's advertised. But that was considered. You wanted to know what what are Hasidic teachings. So at that time you got a copy of Sava. So Rivash, that was uh, that was your source of information. We know historically we know there were burnings. There were public burnings of Sava Sarivash in Vilna. That was considered the Chsidish Sefer. So if you look in Tzavah Sarivash, in Ois Kuf Yud, it says, Lave des Hashem beyido besimcha, you have to serve Hashem with joy, and there should, there should be no tsar, there should be no pain, discomfort, agony, right, before... Uh, before the Vashem Tov Zainakal came along with the uh, Mitzvah G'dayla, again later, a few oasis later, and again, another oasis says, you should distance yourself from Atzvos, so it sounds like we should always be extremely happy and jolly. So Avigdor, we have, we have the Tainus that he wrote. So Avigdor writes that in the book of the cult, of the Karliner, that was the nickname the Misnagdom had at the time, the Karliner. Intellectual property. So when my book, Toward a Meaningful Life, was published, I've not shared this so much, but it's a very interesting insight. So um, I met with the publisher, and I said, look, this is 1994, you have to remember. It was right, right after Gimel Thomas. And I said, you know, I need you to know that they're in so-called, in the Chabad world, there may be differences of opinion. And some people may not like the idea that I'm writing a book. So I just don't want you to find out later. So I want to be totally transparent that uh, you may have some complaints. <clears throat> I didn't know if there would be or there wouldn't be. I just didn't want having a very big deal with a, a large company. I didn't want later Achil Hashem, so I wanted them to know up front. So they said to me, look, we're owned by the Hearst Corporation. Hearst Corporation owns around 200 newspapers, around 100 magazines, publish, big publisher of many books, and we have a whole uh, building 
of hundreds of lawyers that just involved in questions like this, things like uh, copyright law. You know, every day you can imagine, if you have so many newspapers, every day you're getting a letter from somebody that they were libeled or they were slandered or you stole their copyright. You know, this is part of the business. So they had me meet with three people, three lawyers. And this is where I understood, appreciated al Rebbe's godless. Sometimes, you know, you needed Yisrael to, to proceed Matan You need to have a goy who's seen the whole world to appreciate Yisrael and Acheshech. So they wanted, so I said to them, okay, so they asked me this question. The first question they asked me is when the Rebbe would teach or speak, did he charge money? So I said, no. I said, what, what did, was it expected that people pay money? No. Did, so anybody can come here and speak without any charge? I said, absolutely. Jew, non-Jew, everybody. Completely open. Okay. Was it expected later that when they, somewhere, any payment? So I said, no. People did come to see the Rebbe, and some people gave him money, some people didn't give him money. But there was no requirement. So I remember there was three lawyers, one was Jewish, two were not. Oh, I'm sorry, two were Jewish, one was not. The one that was not says, okay. So then the rabbi, meaning the Rebbe, is like Moses. He also didn't charge when he taught the Bible. Yeah? Like Moses. And the Bible is not copyrightable. Nobody can own, no one owns the, the Bible. You can't uh, sue someone if they, you could sue someone for the design, for the typeface, but not for the content. So they say, so then since it's his teachings and he wants it to be free, that tells you something, that he doesn't want it to be owned by anybody. So right away, what clicked in my mind, the medrash, why was the Torah given in a midbar? It's a strange place to give the chem de gnuza. If you wanted to give someone a very special gift, you wouldn't take them into a hot desert that's 120 degrees or hotter, and it's a leoshavadim soma, a place of no civilization. You take them to a nice restaurant, you take them to Alexandria, to Rome, to Jerusalem. You know, there are a lot of nice cities in the world. The Ebishta takes them into a midbar, akriv, a midbar shmama, gives them the tail. So the Reb, one of the reasons the Medr says is because midbar is a mokim hefker. It's no man's land. You lose an object in a midbar, nobody can lay claim to it because it's nobody's property. The Ebishta did not want anyone to later claim and say, imagine if the tail was giving you a shalim. The Yerushalmi would come claim every time you give a Torah class, we, we want royalties. Abishta <laughs> gave it in a place nobody can lay claim. Basically, it's not a maflega. It's God's Torah given to the world. Everybody can learn it. It's Hashem is giving us his blueprint for life. You know, they tell that joke. I mean, it's like an anti-rabbi joke, which uh, has truth to it to some extent. And, and it is like this. A guy comes to a rabbi and says, Rabbi, I hear that the Torah has the answers to all the secrets of life. Sure. He says, will you teach it to me? Of course. How much will it cost? He says, how could I charge you? God didn't charge us. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't charge us. How could I charge you? So he's doubly impressed. Maybe tell them to go outside. 
So, 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 uh, so the so he's doubly impressed. He's getting the secrets of life. It's for free. When do you get the secret? Is everything any for free? Okay, so they sit down, and they open up a Torah. It's in Hebrew. So the rabbi says Hebrew lessons will be twenty thousand dollars. Okay, there's a catch. Al Terebe Chsidis is like Tedes Emes, not like it is Tedes Emes. It's not a maflega, it's not a corporation. So there's corporate Chabad, which I, I don't identify with, frankly, because what does that have to do with Chsidis? What does that have to do with Ashkofe? And then there's Tedes Chabad. What the Alter Rebbe was saying that he's not here to open another company sell chassidus. He's here to reveal the primis that will bring chayas to every Jew. And, is, and it belongs to everybody. And doesn't belong more to Chabad chassidim than it does to Chagas chassidim or to Litvaks or for that matter to any Jew on this earth. And if, even, and if you want, even to every human being on earth. It's a major thing because most of us think in terms of this is my company. And my company is not that company. That doesn't exist in the in truth. Now, I know a lot of people in the establishment may not like this, but it's not me that said it. The Alter Rebbe said it's not a maflega. And I think the Alter Rebbe has a pretty much right to establish how he wants Chassidus Chabad to go. Would you agree? And he's the final say. So I just thought it's important because I find it to be a, a very freeing statement because it really means that chassidus is for everybody. And whether you call yourself a Chabad Nekanat makes no difference. You don't need to be a card-carrying member or dress like a Chabad Chassid, however a Chabad Chassid dresses, which itself is open for debate, to be Telon Chassidus. It doesn't have anything that has a label around it. Just like we don't say a Neshama is a Maflega. Everybody has an asham, everybody's got a soul. I think it's a very important thing to emphasize today because you don't want to get caught up in a, um, a type of bureaucracy and corporate uh, perspective. Chassidus is ashkofe. Chassidus is a Kim Chaim. And Divrei Kim Chaim and partisan is Astira Meneya Bey because it's about Elokus and Elokus is not partisan. Elokus is the emes Havayla Elam is the truth of everything. So it's like say that Abish is only Elokus only. It's Ainaid Malvade. It's not Elokus in one company and another company doesn't have it. Taper the whole Indian. And as soon as Taylor gets packaged like a bureaucracy and like a maflega, it's already missing the whole point. And that's why the Taylor was given in a, in a midbar. And it really is the domain of every one of us. Just wanted to share that thought. I think it's important to underscore. You know, it's Megala Tefach, Mechasset Fachayim, Yeshur Mamasha Amati. There's a lot more behind this. And I hope, as you'll see in your own uh, evolution of your own Shlichus, wherever you end up being, you'll, I think you can appreciate the points that this can be very helpful to understand the Rebbe's approach to things. Now, um, just in case it's misunderstood, I'm not suggesting that there's, it's hefke pefke and everybody can do whatever they want. There is a teir and halacha of how we establish things. But 
nobody has a monopoly and nobody owns shlichus and nobody owns chassidus and nobody owns the Rebbe and nobody owns the Rebbe's pu'ulus and mifzoyim and all the inyonim because it's all not a maflega as the Alter Rebbe said. And again, still need to have a seder. You don't want to have a chlekes in a sikh mishpotim tov shemem zayin that Rebbe explains you know, the, the, how shluchim should interact with each other if they think there's a sogas gvul or so on. There's a whole sikh about it. So we have from the Rebbe here on that as well. I just wanted to state that. I think it's important to state. Um, and that's why I feel that any one of you, I think this is, you know, getting down to the Hirah Bapel, Yitas Kislev. It really comes down to this. You have to, we have to ask ourselves one question only, one question only. What are you doing tonight and tomorrow morning to bring Chassidus to the world? al sat in prison and suffered and went through a lot of challenges in order to be Megal Chassidus. And then it was finally vindicated. So it's the goal of Chassidus. We live in a world today, there's 8 billion people, approximately. There are 14 and a half million Yidin Ken Yerbu. How many of them have been affected by Chassidus? I'll ask ourselves a better question. How many of us have been affected? So if you don't mind, I'll ask, since it's already after midnight, and we can ask a little controversial questions, like the Rebbe said, I think this is the hour that Rebbe said from 12 to 1 is called, is... Uh, is a not a shusha. That's without the, 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 the yeah. I don't know if the Rebbe distinguished. Tell you the story goes like this: Rabbi um, Fagelstock, who headed Beisivk in Montreal for many years, so <clears throat> he decided that either the chavis he had chavis machlekes, all kinds of things. Like every moisid goes through its challenges. He decided enough is enough. He called Rabbi Chadikov in New York. He wants to go into the Rebbe in Yechidus. Rabbi Chadikov says, when do you want to go? The fact, the earlier the better. Okay, tomorrow night. What? Tomorrow night, between 12 and 1, you're going into Yechidus. So he drove down from Montreal to New York. He arrives. He himself tells the story. And I talk at 12 to 1. Sometime between 12 and 1, he's in Yechidus. Tells the Rebbe that he's worked in this Meisr for a long time. And uh, the Cheves, the debts, the fighting, he doesn't. So he came here to tell the Rebbe, here are the keys, and the Rebbe should find someone to replace him. So the Rebbe said to him, who's, uh, who's going to take over? So that's why I'm giving it to the Rebbe. I don't want to just drop it. So the Rebbe looked at him and said the following. The Shver had gezokt. As from 12 bizains is a narish shah. Aber as a narishkeit. That from 12 to 1 is a foolish hour. But such foolishness, I never would have imagined. Had I known that you're coming down here to tell me this, I never would have let you come in. Tiachidis. So you're a chrais, what's supposed to you know? So we always wondered, what, what, why is it not a shasha 12 to 1? I mean, it's a, I'll get back to what I wanted to say. Like, why is it, what means a not a shasha? So I have a theory, a yesh you could maybe have another theory. Those of us that are night birds, I mentioned before Shmuel Munkus, 
you know, the nacht in the shamas. And uh, like some of us, we we start getting alive like 1 a.m. Others are tied asleep by 11. They're in their pajamas by 10 or 9 or 8. I don't know. Like a laser. When do you get into pajamas? Like 7 o'clock? You ready? Okay, fine. Now, a Nachfegel knows that, you know, you basically, you like to be up at night. The Rebbe, by the way, was a night person more. The Rebbe take a, we know from, the, the Rebbe would take a small nap, like sometimes like six, seven in the morning. But the Rebbe was usually up all night. We saw that when the Rebbe, when the Rebbe was in his room, after the Stalkus of the Rebbetson. I remember walking always 4 a.m., the lights were on, and we also knew the Rebbe was Magia the Sicha, would come at 4 or 5 a.m. And the Rebbe was working all night. But regardless, I'm not going to categorize the Rebbe. The Rebbe was a day and night person. Fine. But I mean to say, so maybe here's the Eshleimer. So when does the change of the guard from the day people to the night people? So like till 10, 11, you could still say it's the domain of the, the day people. After 2 a.m., for sure the night people. But maybe between 12 and 1, because the guard is changing, we don't really know. So it's like another shashah, because you can't figure out. You know, it's like chatzis, you know, ahead and nishtahin, nishtahin. Like, I don't know if you've ever been up all night in Crown Heights. I don't know about these days. But like 5, 6 a.m., you'll see the vampires start coming out of their, like, uh, graves. Like the shuls, the people who sit all night talk about Nietzsche and philosophy and, 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 and Herzl, you know, and they go... As they're leaving, going back to going to sleep, like 6 a.m., you have the the early birds walking up Kingston Avenue, you know, going to Mikveh and going to Davin. So there's a change of guard in the morning, <laughs> and there's a change in the evening. So maybe between 12 and 1 is the night. I mean, that's my just my little uh, sociological theory. Take it or leave it. But the gate of the pale, since it's between 12 and 1, so we can get away and say th things now, right? And say like sinishtahad nishtahin. Twilight zone. The twilight zone. The Zagatshava says there's three days about Bein Hashmoshes. You know, is it half day, half night? Is it neither? Is it both? Or is it a, like a Kedon obvious? It just meets, day and night meet, and doesn't really have a mitzvahs. So why was I saying it? Yutes Kislev. Rosh Hashanah Let's talk a little, you know, practical. I'm, t I'm talking to myself, and you're just listening in, okay? So the Musa is to me, you take the good stuff. Um, the one question has to be asked. What are you and what am I doing to bring Chassidus more to the world than till now? Now, I know some people say we've already conquered the world. Every Kinnus HaShluchim, we already say that. You know, Coca-Cola, Chabad, and that's it. The difference is, there may be nothing in between, but it's a pretty big difference in the numbers. So, I'll share Ramotl Chain all of Every time I walked in 770 when he was around, he would always tell me, Simon, you know, you're, you're, you travel around the world. You know, Mitchananganum and the Gansavelt. So I say to him, How do you know? He says, Look, every taxi cab in Israel has a picture of the Rebbe, and every falafel shop has a picture. That's a pretty big uh, sign, right? So I said to Ramotl, if I may ask you, you ever hear of China? You know, we're talking in Yiddish. The Chinezer? He says, Chinezer? Wie viel Chinezer is in Shindo? 
How many Chinese are there? I said, 1.8 billion. He said, billion? It's a million. I said, billion. Okay, okay, decline the Gelech and Nezer. Fine. He dismissed them like that. So I said, what about the Indianers? Indians. He said, they, they were killed out already. I said, I'm not talking about the Indians in America. I'm talking about the country called India. How many people? I said, 1.5 billion. Billion. He said, you mean the guys that sell, um, that uh, do uh, Dell customer service, he told, you know, and they drive Ubers? I said, I don't know, there's some of them are Pakistanis, I think, also. But, okay, so basically you dismissed 1.8, 1.5, that's 3.3 billion. Have the world, okay. Now, let's take the other half. My point was, he it, it was a, a very fine Jew, but he walked on Kingston Avenue. It's called Tunnel Vision, the echo chamber of Crown Heights. You know, the, like, you hear some news in Cannes, and then you repeat it in the mikveh, and then you, <laughs> then of course in the Kailal. We hear the, it's called an echo chamber. You, you know, you hear the Zelbanais. <laughs> How do you know what happens? Befeidus is COL. What do you mean? Okay. But there's a bigger world. I'm not suggesting you have to know there's a bigger world, but I can tell you this. Molo'odas Deus Hashem is not just Kingston Avenue and Bar Park and Williamsburg and Muncie and Lakewood and Tom's River, or now Miami and Atlanta and Baltimore and all the other um, booming uh, Jewish populations. There's a big world out there. Now, I say it the way it is. I mean, if you look at the sikhs of the Rebbe, from Tovshin Mem to Tovshin Nun, and I was that was my that was when I was working sikhs full time. I, I, for a while back, I collected together all the sikhs that ever spoke on Sheva Mrs. How many pages would you guess from, from Tav Shemem to Tav Shemun? How many pages? Not, not commentary, pure Hanochis, straight to Rebbe's mouth. How many pages would you guess would be those years? Not bad, 800 pages, which is basically four volumes. 800 pages is a lot of material. The Rebbe was definitely ahead of his time. That's what a Rebbe is, a visionary. If you're not ahead of his time, he's not a Rebbe. But how far back are we is the question. 30 years, 50 years. I don't think we've embraced the Rebbe's global vision. Almost, kamat not. I'm not saying we can't appreciate it, but that's not how we think. We still think like ghetto Jews. Except broader than most Jews, because we've gone out in shlichus. We know how to talk to people on an airplane, even if they don't look like us. Most Jews don't know how to do that, unless it's business. So it's true that we do have more, uh, a little broader, but it's far cry. Just yesterday, a guy said to me, how, what am I supposed to say to a guy if I meet them? I said, you ask, you're a guy, you learned in yeshiva. You, you ask me what you're supposed to say to a guy. And what do you say to a Jew? He says, a Jew, I'll put on to film with. So I said, so a guy you don't put on to film with, talk to him about stock. Talk to him about chesed. Talk to him about whatever, kindness. I don't know. Well, why is it's different mitzvahs? I mean, it's not. So, because there's still, a, I think, a, a built-in, people don't like to say it openly, but it's almost a built-in thing that the Goyim are basically all potential Nazis. And we can't wait till Mashiach comes and they all, you know. But I remember, B'Shalach Tovshin Mem Gimel. It's now Mugadik Asiche. And um, the Rebbe said in the middle of the Fabrengen, like almost... The Sheikh is going to come and Shindurigang and Alexadis. There won't be no need for any more Muhammad. 
There won't be a need anymore for any ritzich, any dying. Everyone's going to be at peace. We're going to go into a peaceful transition into the future. Sheikh's coming. I remember right away I heard that. So I, and always, I always used to, whenever possible, the Rebbe wanted us to ask questions. So Sunday morning, the first thing, I wrote a note to the Rebbe. I said, what do you mean? The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, on Karker B'nei Sheis, that there's two opinions. Two-thirds of the world will be killed. Or two-thirds of two-thirds. Two opinions there. So how does that seem with what the Rebbe said? I mean, we asked, you know, respectfully, late Tafasnu. And I remember the Rebbe, the Rebbe sent out within a half hour, we used to get right away answers. The Rebbe writes, because the next Shabbos was yesterday, there was no Fabrengen. The Rebbe spoke about Now, when the Rebbe wrote that, you knew he had a lot to say. Because if not, the Rebbe would write a short answer. If he's going to speak about it, it means there was a big thing. And I remember I, I was really looking forward to hear how the Rebbe is going to explain this. You know, it's a Gemara, the Rebbe. Remember the second Sikhim, Mishpatim Gimel. The Rebbe starts, says, Mitgefrekt Ashayla, Avosachigret, from the Gemara in Sanhedrin. And the Rebbe said, I remember, I was like shocked almost. The Rebbe says, Unkirogil, Kleipmizich, and Fernander. The Kash is Nishtaf Mir. The Kash is of the Gemara. That's what the Rebbe said. The question is on the Gemara. Why? The Ebersh says, Racham al Kol Maisov. How is it possible the Ebersh is going to kill two thirds of his own people, of his own creatures? And I remember, I mean, we were, I was trying to focus as a Chayzer, so I couldn't like spend time analyzing what the Rebbe said, but I right away said to myself, one second, how, how, do you learn, how did anyone learn this Gemara till now? The Rebbe is asking, in other words, it's so dover pushed by the Rebbe that it can't mean Kapshute, the Kashas on the Gemara. You know, okay, the, it takes the Rebbe to say that. And the Rebbe went, the whole Sikha, long Sikha, became a Likud, later printed in Chedek of Gimel, Bolok, on this Pasuk. If you look at the end of the Sikha in Bolok, Chav Gimel, you'll see it's not a Bolok Sikha, it's Boshalach Mishpatim Em Gimel. So everybody asks, why did the Rebbe speak Boshalach? Because of this reason. The Rebbe wasn't speaking a Bolok Sikha, he was speaking on this topic. And because of the question, the Rebbe developed the whole Sikha. And what did the Rebbe say, Bikitsa, at the end? First he said, maybe Pshat is that the Goyim will, won't be killed, but they'll die out and they won't, be, they won't have children. So it's not they're going to be killed, they'll die out. And the Rebbe said, that's also not Rachem al-Kol that, That's also not Rachem al-Kol Because what, what does that mean? Take a is to not let them have children. And the Rebbe's final answer is, doesn't say Misa, it says Kharkir. Kharkir is from the word Bitl, like like Khulu, Keloyan that there will be a bitla mitzias, that their tzir will change. So it'll be a new mitzias, so that's why it's considered like man de nofel medarge ikrimis is the expression. That when you change your mehus, it's like a new mitzias. Now, but tell me, what does this mean? That over the thousands of years, they learned the pshat and gemara pasha because the goyim were taka animals, Nazis, so they deserve to die. But if chesidum is elam, yeshlam chelik leelam haba, you can't touch the Gemara that way anymore. So it's not like the Rebbe is changing Pshat and Gemara. It's the changes in the Chefza Elam. You know, the Rambam says, for example, he asks the question, since the Tere is Nitzchiyas, we can't be Mechayim Mechiyas Amolek or Mechiyas Leishchayi Kol Neshomer. 
Because if it can't be Mekayimah, that means the Torah is not Nitzchi. So the Rambam answers that there's no Shinri in the Mitzvah, there's Shinri in the Elam, there's no Amalek anymore. There's no Shiva Amumas. So the Hefzer changed. It's like saying, we can't today bring a Karm. It's not a Shinri in the Mitzvah, there's no ability to bring a Karm. Anyway, the point being is that the Rebbe was saying the Hefzer changed. So that, among hundreds of Sikhs, I can tell you, when you start learning them, you see a whole different picture of the Rebbe and the world. I'm not saying everybody here overnight is going to get a new picture, but I can tell you right now, if you really want to understand the Rebbe and what the Rebbe means, the world is ready for Mashiach, let me ask you a question. How could the Rebbe say, Otot kum Mashiach, and you just have to open your eyes when two-thirds of the world have to die? That doesn't take overnight. That means it's a process. So you have to say the Rebbe holds that the Goyesha world right now are kailing for Gula, or else the whole, all these sikhs don't make sense. It's not possible. It would require a tremendous miracle that suddenly 8 billion people are receptive to Gula. So the first point I want to make is that most of us probably don't know the Rebbe's approach to this. I mean, I can give you my Mekemis, you could look, for example, and I, I worked a lot in researching this because it's negated to my work. So if you look, for example, in Chelikud Gimel, you want to write it down, page 230, look at the Ha'adahs there, you'll get a very clear picture of the Rebbe's approach. But the main point I want to make is this that each one of us, each one in our own way, whether it's people, you have five people you can reach, or one person you can reach, or a million people you can reach today with technology, I believe the Hayrav Yitzchak at least one of them is this. How are you, what are you doing using your talents and your skills and your reach to people of bringing chassidus to them in a way that's relevant and they, and, and they, they want to embrace it because not out of Kabbalah sale alone, because they see it's meaningful, they see it's personal. That to me is the Yutas Kislev Hera. I will do my part, whatever I can do. But I think that's, you know, we want to go away with Chlotas. Uh, I think that's a question everybody has to ask themselves. The Alter Rebbe, the Rabbeim, and Mason Nefers for Chsidis. So what are we doing for Chsidis? Now, yes, of course, you got to share, you got to say the Chsidis, you learn a share every day. Beautiful. Learn more Chsidis, the more the merrier. But you have to do something with this. Also, your futsu minasecha chutza. It's not just learning chsidis, it's spreading chsidis. That was the whole point. The Alta Rebbe, the Kitrug Lamaila and the Alta Rebbe wasn't just that he learned chsidis, it's that he was teaching chsidis, that he was explaining it to Chabad, he was bringing it to chutza. That was the, the Kitrug. Primus Atera was always learned by Yechidis Gula, but it didn't go to chutza. With the, whole, the, whole, uh, the whole challenge was that they saw Chsidis Valgunzich on the floor. And that's when the Alter Rebbe gave the marshal of the Ben Chela. In other words, it's about bringing it outward. So the only way you can celebrate the Kisla properly is bringing Chsidis outward. And there's no question that today, with technology and all the tools we have, the pipelines are out there. It, it doesn't take much. So I say that one chachlot that we have to make is what are you going to do to bring chassidus a little more to chutzah than it was till now? Obviously that also means you have to learn properly yourself. You can't explain it to someone else if you don't know it yourself. So obviously it goes hand in hand. Like the Alter Rebbe says in Agdom of Tanya, that when you teach others, you also get illuminated. So that to me is a critical hero. Especially if the Rebbe said that we have to do something to bring Mashiach to Talzmas Kent. What better way? Mashiach told the Baal Shemtev, that never changed. 
We never have another directive for Mashiach, how you bring Mashiach, through Yifutzma Now, of course, there's many, many ways to do it, and each of you have to find your way of doing it, but that, to me, is a no-brainer. If we don't go away with just Kisla with that, I'd like to know what Haira you're going away with, you know? Um, because that's like the core of the very day. This mitzvah sayem of Yutas Kislev is a futzman esach chutzah. The, the Rabbi Rashab says that Bamir as the ikir futzman esach chutzah ongeheim Yutas Kislev. That's what he says, because that's when it became the license. Altareb was vindicated, and that's when the the real futzman esach chutzah spread. Now, of course, today it's completely different level. You can reach places that we never reached before, both Bekamus and Be'echus. So nobody can tell anybody what to do today or any time. That's my uh, humble suggestion of Yutas uh, Kislev Achlota. And figure it out. And if you can't do it, figure it out yourself. Talk to Mashpia. Find a Chavir. Do two people together. It's always easier. We have two people. You have a synergy of two or more. And I don't, uh, if, I, if I could be of any help, if anybody wants to discuss any ideas, this is my, this is my mixture, this is what I do. I'd be happy to discuss it, but there's no excuses. There's absolute possibility for every one of you in your own way. Ain't they saying Shavis, everybody has different talents. You know, this one has a talent to write, this one has a talent to speak, this one can teach, this one can uh, conceive of ideas, this one knows how to market. I remember the Rebbe once wrote to... Um, to one of the Moizdis, he wrote, Kimedumani haloshen hu yafutsu velo yatfisu maynasech chutza. You hear? Yafutsu, not yatfisu. The difference? Yatfisu means printing books and putting them on a shelf, and maybe no one will even look at them. And yafutsu means marketing and distributing it. There's a difference basically between success and failure. That's what the difference is. If you go to any, you know, we, let's learn from uh, Elam Haza. If you, if you go to any company and, they, and you say there's a great production department, but there's no marketing and no distribution and no sales, you tell me what kind of business this is going to be. If you have in a warehouse all the products, it's very nice. But that's not how it works. In this world, it's called distribution. I always say when people come to me for advice about publishing or books, I don't even want to talk to them about the teichen. They won't want to talk about teichen. I have the best teichen. I said you can have the best teichen. But if it's sitting on a shelf and no one looks at it, it means nothing. And um, you have to distribute. What's your distribution plan? And all everybody says the same thing. The inexperienced will say, first I'll produce it, then I'll figure it out. No, it doesn't work that way. In Chesidus, there's a lotion. Sheder Shakelim is higher than Sheder Sha'edis. You first figure out where your Kalim are before you go uh, produce the Edis. First, you need to know your target audience before you give a share. You don't start giving a shear. You know, I'm going to give a shear in Exodus, and I'm going to figure out who's, who who's fits the other way around. Figure out who's, who's listening to you, and then fit what you're saying to them. That's what a mashpia does. But uh, we are good at mamshir zayn eiris, you know. We know how to throw leaflets out of a plane. Like you could throw out a billion leaflets. The question is how many people are picking it up. We have no clue, because we haven't developed that uh, department. I can tell you, I, this is, again, my work. I know how difficult it is. And that's why Chassidus still reaches hundreds of thousands. Millions? I doubt it. Um, yeah, I'm not saying millions have not maybe heard the word, 
but also millions is not billions. So I know we also know we're not a numbers game. We all know nefesh achas misrael. You save one Jew, you save the world. So I'm not denying that. But at the same time, numbers count as well. You know, if you want molar is des Hashem, but evam hadas melech, you better have some numbers. You can't just have two people knowing that uh, God exists. You want the world to know. So these are some of my, uh, okay, it's one o'clock, so the Nadishka hour ended. Now we can go back to uh, a little more normalcy. Uh, actually, this is good, right? This is the way we should be going, right? No, Caleb? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. And I thought I was talking about Caleb, but okay. Maybe you got to get off your butt and figure out what to do. Well, okay. I mean, let me ask you something. If I was speaking about light bulbs and selling, uh, let's say, uh, cell phones, would you know what Caleb are? Really? Okay, so then uh, you're, you're a holy man. You know, um, in this business world, there's a thing called selling product, right? That concept, you know? Yes. We have to look at chassidus like a product. I don't mean in a business sense. I'm not talking about making money, but you have to look at it like it's a commodity. Does it have value? How do you bring that value to a human being? That's the bottom line. That's the challenge. If somebody doesn't feel they know how to do that, I would say they don't even, that means they don't know what the product is. You know, we're speaking about Yutas Kislev, Chassidus. So you need to know there's a product here, it's called Chassidus. Again, product, I don't mean to demean it. I don't mean it in a, not kind of, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a valuable product. And there's an audience you want to bring it to. That's, to me, your Futsu, Maynasecha, Chutzah means, Maynasecha is the product, the wellsprings of Chassidus. Chutzah is the market, the people, and your Yafutzah is the distribution. Our challenge, we don't need to create chassidus. We have it from the rabbeim. We may need to translate it. We need to adapt it. We also, the chutzah we don't have to create. It's out there. It's 8 billion people on this planet, divided by different segments. And then we have one thing. We are distributors. We have to figure out how do you bring it to as many people as possible, that they should appreciate the value. That's the value proposition. That's the, the business proposal I'm putting on the table here. It's everywhere. Wherever you go. There's chutz and Quranites too. Plenty of it. Now, there's some people, they may not say it openly. They say, I don't believe in this product. I don't believe it can, you can bring it to people. There are people that say that. I'm not one of them, so I'm not even going to uh, recognize that. Those people that don't believe in the product, they should go into another business, fine. So go sell uh, hamburgers, I mean, you know, or shoes. Uh, huh? Or whatever it is. But if you do believe in the product, then you have to figure out how can you bring it to people in a way that's valuable. Now, I know a lot of people also say, I believe in the product, but it's only for Chesed You're not going to bring Ava Vira and Tanya Kadisha to the secular world. Now, I, again... I, I, I can't accept that. To me, it contradicts that. Especially once the Rebbe said, Chutzah doesn't just mean Midis Lagabe Mechin or Chitzenius Atik Lagabe Primius Atik. You know? So, 
So, so no, this is not a uh, we're not. This is not a strategic meeting right now, but I'm laying out what I think should be done next. So, if it is a bomb, I'll tell you what you have to do: find a few people that you're close with, and sit and strategize and figure out. Okay, what can we do? That's what I would suggest. That's what I meant getting off you, but I didn't mean you. I meant to say that's the next step. You know, I can. You know, I try my best in the work I do in doing this. Have I succeeded? Minimally. I would say in some areas I succeeded. A lot of areas I've not. In the big scale, not. We, uh, the big scale, you'll know about it if we reach the big scale, because there'll be headlines everywhere. It says Mashiach will be in the Gazette, and the Rebbe would say, Shalom. that Mashiach comes, all the newspapers will write about it. If the newspapers don't write about it, it means it didn't come. It means it's an event that only happened in someone's basement. You want it to be known. Maybe you need business-minded people to apply business principles to this uh, to and Mashiach. Because I think spiritual people don't, are too idealistic. They don't really get the, the distribution side of it. That's what I'm thinking right now. I'm looking at uh, Shlema Greenwald here, by the way, because he's uh, the master. Uh, all our hopes are on you now. There we go. What do you think? Everything you, you touch, is, it, touch, it turns into gold. <laughs> At some point, we have to find a scapegoat to put every, blame everything on. So. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. I hope you don't mind my venting, and uh, but I was serious actually. It wasn't a joke. <laughs> yeah. oh, but it was going till now. It was going till now.